Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 81 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, Moods616, also known as Moods. And of course, I've always got my man by my side who's having nightmares full of bloody body bags and impounded cars. Double Shot J, also known as JP. What's going on, homie? What is up, yo? Back at it once again. This is uh, this is the start of our sort of new yet old format. Uh, this yeah. is something that we've, uh, well, at least I've, well, you was kind of there too. Uh, started back on the Double Shot of Horror podcast. It was short lived, but it's a theme. It's a theme. It's a weekly theme. Two reviews each week, and tonight it's anthologies. Uh, we figured, why not? Why the hell not do anthologies? We got John Carpenter's body bags. I agree. I agree. And we got uh, nightmares, which you know, this is one thing that I want to continue to do. But we always mention it and then sometimes forget. But I'm gonna try to make it a point to do, dude. What are we doing next week? Uh, what are we doing next week? We are doing uh, cults. Yes, and cults. The interesting thing about the cult show is that both films have the exact same name called The Believers. Yeah, one so, is actually the believers; the other one is just believers. Yeah, pretty much the same. But <laughs> and yes, that was planned. <laughs> yes, so it you, it's it'll be called episode what are we eight, eight, what it would be eighty two eighty two cults. cults. Yeah, or so. you can even call it episode eighty two believer the believers show. <laughs> The Believers Show, yeah, uh, but sounds yeah. kind of corny. Honestly, when you when you say it out loud like that, it sounds pretty corny. <laughs> it's the Believers Show. Oh Jesus. yeah, it does. <laughs> sounds but like John Lennon shit, man. I I specifically requested that we do this uh, theme because for one, I love cult movies. Not not like cult is in like Evil Dead Two, <laughs> like you know, like cult, like about yeah, like cult. actual cults, <laughs> like, yeah. Um. Because like they're Ty scary. West film, the Sacrament. Yes, it it actually is one of the rare uh, horror themes that or subgenres that actually does get under my skin. Like it, it can it makes me go through all kind of like fears. It's because these, there's so many cults that have existed in you know in, in the real past life. and that have ended in such disaster. Like we're talking major, major disaster. Jonesville, like fucking Waco, he- Texas. Heaven's Gate. Have it like like all like the like, Heaven's Gate one always freaks me out because i'm like okay if the like it would be so hard for me to convince somebody to get me a pop out of the refrigerator that is in the basement let alone to kill themselves like how do they do it <laughs> i know and that's what's so scary is that these people have this power and you know they manage to accomplish you know killing 700 people or something it's nuts it, it's so scary but yeah, you know, and believers between... is one that I th- that is the one that Eduardo Sanchez directed from the Blair Witch Project. It's one that I actually asked Moods to watch for over three years now, and <laughs> he still hasn't. So I figured the only way I'm going to get him to watch it, which it's not the most amazing movie in the world, uh, but I do think it's good. And yeah. I, I was like, hey, you know, check that out because it's been in your collection forever. <laughs> I know. It's just one of those ones I picked up. And you're like, oh, you got to check it out. And yep, yeah, I will. And I've rearranged my collection how many times. I keep putting <laughs> it back on the shelf, not in the in the DVD player. So, But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good. And, and you've never seen the other one, right? The one with, uh, yeah, the with one. Martin Sheen. So yeah, good films or good film. Anyways, I know. So yeah. So that's what that's what's next week, guys. And we'll continue to let you guys know each week what we'll be doing the next week. So that way, if you do want to watch, because I know like someone like Dave likes doing that. Like he likes to 
he went and watched all five Tremors films before Tremors show came out. You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, if you guys like to know what we're doing so you can watch it and follow along the featured review, that that's why I really want to stress to make sure that we let you guys know what we're doing. Always yes. subject to change, though, because there have been times where I'd be like, Moods, I can't do this. we got to switch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's been various reasons for that. It's mostly yeah. due to the fact that we just one of us can't get a film or, you know, something like that. But mm. or something comes up or whatever. I mean, there's there's various reasons. It's life, man. It's fucking life. So Sucks. we also will be doing, you know, this doesn't mean these are the only types of shows we're going to do. We'll still do franchise shows, director spotlight shows, remake versus original shows. Uh, what we and we're watched, still actually working on and we're still working on that viewer's choice three. It's going pretty good. We just need someone to to kind of navigate the picks and get shit yeah. going. We're well, busy. Derek and- apparently did write them all down for me like I asked them to. Okay, so. well, that's good. Next step, we'll just create a poll and, you know, that show will be in the mix sometime too. So we'll have that that one coming up before episode 100 too. But yeah. we just realized before the show doing a little bit of pregame, we were kind of planning out, we had most of these shows planned out and then we just kind of inserted a film here and there. Yeah. And then we realized we have every, we have shows planned right till episode 90. Mm-hmm. And that's not including um, the top 10 in 1996 so yeah we're getting close man so and that's also not including the uh the viewers chores three so yeah yeah we're uh we're rolling man (laughs) you know it's uh, this is very odd for us we usually don't plan this far ahead but yeah one one thing that i thought was pretty interesting well a couple people i know they requested that we do like a cannibal themed show don't worry guys that's that we got that Honestly, it was an idea. Yeah, there's one coming. Um, It was an idea that brought up a long, long time ago. We just never thought. So it was just kind of one of those things. But yeah, thank you for the recommendation because uh, it just refreshed the memory. And it's written down now. It's actually logged in to our spreadsheet. It's it's officially on the schedule now because (laughs) there's what you call like the thoughts that are just in the back of our heads. Hey, we should do an Omen series one day. And then that's when then eventually it transitions into actually being wrote down scheduled. (laughs) And then sometimes it goes away because there was few shows that we never got to, like the invasion of the body snatcher show that we I know I bought all four films. (laughs) And we never did. Um, but yeah, so so that's planned. Also, you know, one other thing that I did ask you guys to give us some ideas and a few came out. One one idea that um Chris had, Chris uh, Lacks. Um, Critterbuster, he uh, actually messaged me and said that he thinks it would might be interesting to do like a show on sort of unreleased films, which is kind of hard. Um, so I, I don't know if he just meant like unreleased but able to see or like like only seen one. Like I think of stuff like um, the McPherson tape, which mm-hmm. was uh, that '80s uh, TV movie that like aired like one time and they never really re-air it's never been released on like dvd officially or anything it was like yeah that. it was it was used as like a um re it, it was like marketed as sort of like the blair witch before the blair witch came out this was back in the 80s mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was like a alien abduction type movie or something like that i i've seen pieces of it but i've not, never watched it i but i do own a bootleg of it for some uh, weird reason, every time I think of like unreleased, I always think of things that haven't had like a DVD or Blu-ray release. So if they've been released on VHS and just n- and no other format after that, I kind of count those because I don't know. I don't know why. I just yeah, yeah, because it's easier. Really, it's hard to find films that never had a release I- I- at all. In general, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. And there's tons and tons of films that have never had a DVD and Blu-ray release that are on VHS. So that yeah. that could be, you know, kind of the guideline for the show. 
Yeah, but he I, I also mentioned like the Poughkeepsie tapes, right? Like that's yep. never had a U.S. release, and yep. it's it's a film that exists. Yeah. Uh, so like stuff like that, and then maybe he might also like talk about things that were, you know, like Grizzly Two, which was like partially filmed but never released, or like Sleepaway Camp Four. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just kind of a show where we discuss stuff that, you know, maybe do a couple reviews and then talk about it in general. Uh, and then his other idea was um, to do a show based on sort of like short films uh, that went on to be full-length films. So maybe do like a review of the short film or like talk about the short film and then talk about like the full feature film. Like he said – Oh, yeah. I didn't cool. actually know this. He said uh, do The Disciples oh, yeah. of The Crow. That eventually, I didn't even know there was a short film called Disciples of the Crow that eventually became turned into Children of the Corn. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, no, I, I was actually thought I, I was thinking you were going to say something else, but no, I had no idea that there was actually a short film. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, but there's a bunch of them, right? Like, like, um, oh man, there was just that clown, right? Like, clown was one of those. Uh, it was a short film, and then Eli Roth seen it and was like, "Hey, I'll produce your feature." And yep. made it. Yep. So there, there's a lot of those out there too. So that's another interesting idea. Even things that were based on like uh, you know YouTube kind of phenomenons, like the Legend of Wasco. You know the there was like a series of videos that were just showcasing clowns like standing in weird positions and things, <laughs> and it became the film. The Legend yeah, of Wasco cool. is, is based yeah, off yeah. these series of YouTube videos and things. That's kind of interesting. I I only remember that because I have the film sitting right in front of me because <laughs> it's had in my update. But I did watch it. It's kind of a it, it's not the greatest film in the world, but. Yeah, it's interesting. It was based off the of YouTube videos, though. Yeah, but I thought that was cool that Chris was like kind of brainstorming and just like thinking of interesting ideas, something different, you know? Because we'll, yeah. we'll obviously thinking stick right to outside the, the format all the time, but it, it is interesting to ch- sort of try something new every once in a while as well. That is true. So if anybody has any other ideas, be sure to let us know. That's right. That's right. And of course, you guys know via voicemail, uh, drop us a line anywhere, man. We Facebook, usually get so. 22 shots of moves and horror gmail.com, all those good places. Even my YouTube I've been getting channel. a lot of uh, tweets lately. Really? Uh, yeah, like somebody tweeted me today, said that uh, they couldn't leave a review because um, whatever reason I looked at me and Jason looked into it. Oh, it something to do with uh, being out of country? No, no, that was that was a different one. But uh, oh, okay. this guy just couldn't leave a review. But it turned out that like it was something to do on iTunes' end, like they were down or something. It oh, just yeah. happened to be like re- weird coincidence. I, and then like another person um, has been tweeting at me saying that like you know nice stuff, like I love the show and stuff, which is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I actually seen that they left a comment on the last uh, podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I Mayfair. Um, she said that uh, she's still going through the older episode. She's wondering if we was releasing a new one Monday. You know, awesome. Just good stuff. Nice, nice stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I get a lot of personal messages from people, too. Just, you know, kind of like nudge me and, you know, keep up the good work, man. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's always good. It's always good. So. so, yeah, anthologies this week, Body Bags and Nightmares. Of course, Nightmares from 1983. And 10 years later, we got the uh, TV film uh, Body Bags. Um, you know, strangely enough, Nightmares was actually intended to be a TV uh, show. It was actually a pilot for, I believe, an ABC anthology show that was that they were working on, but it failed. 
uh, for a couple different reasons. I think it's, you know, it just it, it didn't work. And also they deemed it a little bit too violent to even kind of pursue the whole TV anthology thing. So that would have been kind of interesting if it was actually a TV anthology because it would have been like the TV anthology show. But And oddly enough, Body Bags was originally designed to be an anthology TV show for Showtime. Yeah. So we themed the theme. Like unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Did it not ever air on TV though? Uh, body bags. Yeah. Yeah, it it aired on Showtime. So it actually did it. Yeah. I think it is technically a TV movie. Yo, well, that's what I figured. I, I, I'd never seen it back in the day on TV or anything. I only knew of it just later. Yeah. But uh, I wasn't actually even 100% sure of it actually. I know it was made for TV, but I was, wasn't sure. There's a little bit actually. more of a story behind that that I'll sure I'll talk about on the actual mm-hmm. review. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been actually kind of cool, man, because, you know, having a TV anthology series called Nightmares, doesn't that just work? You know, doesn't that just make sense? You know? Yeah, it does, actually. Like, I mean, especially just... for that. Yeah, I mean, in the 80s, you know, Tales from the Dark Side came you out. You know, Freddy's around. Nightmares. Freddy's Nightmares. There was lots of them, man. But Nightmares just, you know, that flows good. It's too bad it never actually materialized into one. But lo and behold, we still got the film. So it is what it is, right? Yep. Yeah. So what else is going on, JP? What is new in the life of uh, the Mexican? Oh, man. I don't even want to talk about my week. We talked a little bit about it before the show. I seriously don't want to get into it. I'll just leave it as, like, <laughs> dude, F everything and, like, F, F fuck the police, yo. Straight up fuck the police. Fuck the po-po. That's what we do, man. We <laughs> preaching that shit on the show now. <laughs> QNWA right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about uh, I, you, dude? Oh man, honestly, dude, I had just one of those weeks where things were, you know, up and down, man. I don't know, man. It's just one of those fucking weeks, man. I don't know. Busy. That's all I can say. Just busy. Just doing shit every day, and there's never a, a dull moment in my life. I feel Sometimes- stupid because every time I get on here and you're like, "How's your week?" It's either nothing happened or something bad happened. So I always feel like I'm negative, but <laughs> I, I should, you know, say. You know, sorry to cut you off, but I, I I felt very serious about this. I should say the beginning of my week was fantastic. That mm-hmm. I went to the drive-in, the thirty-five millimeter drive-in thing. Yeah. That told- well, that that that's honestly kind of what I was referring to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want- yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so, so. um that so was actually they, how did awesome. That go? So how did they, it, it was really since. cool. Um, you know, the first year I went, which was two years ago, I didn't go last year, which I should have, but I didn't. Uh, the first year I went, if you guys remember who st- listened to the podcast back then, I seen uh, Halloween on 35mm, uh, The Beast Within on 35mm, Phantasm on 35mm, and then we left before Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things started on 35 Uh And the reason we left, it was just a bad experience. We went way too early because we'd never been this far out like in this little town and stuff, so... We, we left super early. We got there at like 2 p.m. And they didn't start showing movies until like 8 p.m. We did go to the bowling alley across the street and stuff like that. But it just it, it was yeah. just a bad experience. And the people that I went with weren't necessarily horror fans. They were just there to – they wanted to do something. So they were – I could tell they were miserable after Halloween was over. You know what I mean? So we suffered – they suffered through two more movies. I enjoyed it. But – uh, so, you know, I, I was a little ri- worried to go back without taking the proper people. So that's why I didn't go last year. But this year I actually went with uh, – I went with two people that actually had seen all of the movies, which was interesting, and then one person who had seen one of them. 
and they were but the one person that only seen one of them was like more was like a really big horror fan too even though they didn't see like the the films uh they're sort of new a new horror fa- fan but you know what they showed was uh they so started with monster squad which honestly like i think is a huge mistake i i, I don't think that's a good movie to show in, in an event like that it's just that's more of just a like a fun movie to watch on your tv like i, I don't know like for some reason like i couldn't really vibe with it right uh and then with the lost boys which was fantastic the print was great it looked amazing uh you know the the music and everything about that movie was awesome it went by so fast that one went by really really fast and then it was fright night which um i know moods like absolutely loves fright night so i'm not going to say anything bad about it but oh, you, I, can, I, you, you, you can say you hate the movie <laughs> the passion it won't change my opinion I'll, I'll just continue to laugh and be like you're wrong yeah it sucks but <laughs> um no i do i do like fright night a lot i just you know it's okay oddly enough movie. i am literally wearing a fright night shirt right now as you speak so that's hilarious <laughs> and that is kind of funny i actually like the remake better and i'm not even joking like i do like the i joke about the remake all the time but i actually like the remake better and again that voicemail number is <laughs> and uh <laughs> shots at gmail and yes i want to see the i want to see the comments after this yeah yeah go ahead. <laughs> definitely uh, you're definitely in a small group of varied people yeah, that uh, prefer I, the, see, remake the original over. fright night to me um is just a little lame uh, the, 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 like, <laughs> the seduction of the girlfriend and stuff, how she's like all in like the trance, like it's just too long and too lame. <laughs> it just, it's a huge chunk of the, the movie, like when they're dancing at the club and stuff. Boring. Yeah, yeah. It's boring. See, for me, I mean, I know deep down in my heart, Fright Night's not one of the best horror films ever made. Um, but I really, I really honestly, truly love the film, but it is also the movie that really got me into loving horror films. I mean, it was one of the earliest memories. I always credit Fright Night as being the film. We talked about this many, many times, but it is literally the earliest film I've ever, that I remember watching, I guess probably would have been in early 86 or whatever it came out on VHS back in those days. And, uh, you know, it's just, I'll never forget it. It traumatized me. I, I was a young five, six-year-old kid that uh, didn't know that it was a horror comedy, very naive, and <laughs> that shit scared the fucking shit out of me, man. Yeah, <laughs> so, it, you know, and, and honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm saying these things in a devil's advocate way because I actually do like Fright Night, and I and I have rated it, I think, like a 7.5 or an 8 in the past. Like, it's a mm-hmm. good movie, and, the, like, I love the dis- like the sort of rear window vibe to it, too, you know? Like, I've always liked those movies like Disturbia and Rear Window where they, they're, like, spying on their neighbors and shit. That's cool to me. And mm-hmm. I love the Peter Vincent character. I love that, how this, you know... Uh, what's named Charlie or something? Peter Vincent is just one of those things that I didn't realize until later in life that how they name Peter Vincent, oh, Peter <laughs> you know, Cushing and Vincent Price. I actually won a contest on like a yeah. horror radio show back in the day by barely yeah. getting that question right. They had to help me out a bit. Yeah, because I mean, I didn't really know who Vincent Price and Peter Cushing were until you know, probably into my teens and things like that. But and then thinking back, and I'm going, that is some clever shit. And just it's like those little things that made me love it even more. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's so yeah. damn cool. And and you know th- that stuff is cool like it's all really just that certain scenes that i find a little slower paced that i i think it's more of one of the cases where i've heard so much about fright night before i'd seen it that i just thought that people were overhyped well i felt like it was overhyped mm-hmm. um but you know it is a good movie i'm not gonna but, i mean 
just put it this way. At least you didn't see it like 30 years after it's, uh, you know, after it came oh, out. Like Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funniest thing ever, man. It's from um, you guys out there that listen to Exploding Heads uh, or podcast. Dave Z says, says to us one time, he's like, the first time he'd watched Fright Night was on the 30th, at, like basically in 2015. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? This guy is what? I don't know, 10 years older than I am. I'm thinking to myself going, how did you bypass that one? He just said it looks super lame and cheesy. <laughs> and I was like, that's one of the big selling points for me because I love the Fright Night, like the original poster art for it. It's just so The original amazing. poster art is really cool, but I do remember him saying that the name, just the title kind of threw him off. And I used to own it as a kid on VHS, just the, the blank. It was like a burnt, not a burnt, but like, you know, a rec- recorded off the TV type version. So just yeah. Fright Night on it. And I just never watched it. I never once watched it because of that name. Just like, it's so know. interesting. It's funny how people work because if I saw something labeled Fright Night, I wouldn't even hesitate. I'd pop that motherfucker in in a second. Man. <laughs> it's be like, weird. I was, I was kind of a weird Night? kid though. So I don't know. Um, but the, then the final film that they showed was near dark. And honestly, like at first I was like, why are they showing near dark at the end? But it, by the time I was watching Near Dark and like it was right before the sun started coming up, you know, and I'm like, wow, this movie fits so perfect for, for the this time. time of day. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, yeah. it's it's like night, like it's like five in the morning, like four. I think we got out at like five. I wonder if they planned that. I, I think they probably did. I mean, they yeah, had to gonna... think about how they were. Well, they definitely thought about some things in this, uh, you know, for the theme of that night. Oh, it was a but 80s yeah. vampire theme. Yeah, and I mean, like I guess the, the night before was uh, '80s zombie, th- or wasn't '80s, but zombie themed. Okay, yeah, that makes complete sense. But like, you know, the monster squad. Of course, it has like you know Dracula in it and things like that. But '80s, I guess, is kind of fits in there. But they, they couldn't have found something else. I mean, as much as I love the Monster Squad, like I've I've praised that movie too. I love that film. I, was, I said vamp when when we were talking to the people in the car, like my friends. I was like, I think vamp honestly would have been a better fit because yeah, I was like, vamp, better. I was it's like, an you adult. Should have done vamp, and uh, nobody had seen vamp though in the car, so I was like, maybe they shouldn't have did vamp then. <laughs> you know, honestly, that's a great lineup, man. You throw vamp instead yeah, of yeah, I thought like, so. Vamp is cool, dude. I love vamp. Yeah, I mean, it just seems more adult themed. I mean, Monster Squad is you know it's for kids and and adults and things, but. I, you know, after, you know, rounding out those four films, yeah, it seems like it, it is the oddball one out in that in that set. You yeah, know? but it, it was, I mean, at the end of the day, it was really fun. I mean, by the time we got home, I think it was like six six thirty when I got dropped off and then I had to drive 24 minutes home. So it was like seven o'clock total daylight. I mean, the, the, the worst part about it was just that my sleep was all fucked up for the next like two days. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was really fun. It, it, it you know, one thing that it ra- started raining in the middle of the lost boys and we had to get in the car and, and the windows just kept fogging over and over again. So that kind of sucked. Ah, shitty. But luckily I'd seen the films before. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the worst thing in the world because I, I you know, I knew what the, I knew what was happening on them. Man, uh, I really I, wish I could, you know, experience something like that, man. I mean, fucking, I should put something like that on around here. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, I, I'm telling so you, like, awesome. they do this. Um, they do it. They do it twice a year. They do it in April 
to kind of kick off the drive-in season, and then they do yep. it in September to close the drive-in season. Yeah. And the one in September is always a little lamer. Like it's usually, well, I don't want to say lame. It's just the titles aren't as important or big. Like it's usually like like Hammer stuff or like old like se- like seventies like crappy vampire movie. Like it's like. I, I, you know, some of it's better, but it's not like big titles like The Lost Boys and Halloween and Carrie mm. and stuff like that. Like, I think they announced two titles for their September Saturday night. It was like the two Dark Shadows movies or something. Mm-hmm. I think there's yeah. two of them or something. So, uh, so those two. I only know of one of them, but there could be another one. Unless I'm thinking of another thing like the Night Stalkers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Some mm. old thing that was a TV show that had movies to it. Uh, but so the September one isn't as cool, but I'll probably go back to the September one that I found a group of people that actually had fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, obviously I'll probably, as long as they keep doing it in April, I'll try to make it there. They had some, some guy there signing autographs. I felt real bad for him because nobody knew who he was. Um, it was like a movie called like Mr. Hush or some shit. Oh, Mr. Hush. Oh my God. Yeah. That fits in with the theme. That's for sure. It's uh it's a really, really fucking terrible low budget vampire film <laughs> a few years ago. Okay. Um, they did a lot of uh, promotion for it and stuff. Like it was out everywhere, but it was just really fucking predictable. Like, you know, exactly what's going to happen like five minutes of the movie and eh, it's not good. <laughs> I wonder if it was the main guy from the film. I think that's, it was. That's that's funny. That's but, funny. Yeah, yeah, that movie's garbage, man. It's junk. Um, one of the interesting things is they were selling a trailer compilation on Blu-ray. There, it was called something two, something something two, like it was volume two or something. And it actually, I seen it on Amazon the other day, and it's funny because like it, it's the it's made by the people who host that thing and it's like their trailer it's the trailers they showed throughout the night because between the movies they showed trailers so there's a there's a trailer compilation i know you guys like trailer compilations moves i know you do yeah um there's a trailer the new trailer compilation that just uh it's called um trailer trauma 2 drive-in monsterama it's on blu-ray it's currently they were selling 99 at Amazon. <laughs> they were selling that there. That's so awesome, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Everyone's been talking about trailer trauma one and two. Um, just haven't got my hands. I can't, they don't sell them in Canada, man. Like I'm on amazon.ca and they're so expensive. Those things are like 30 bucks a piece on diabolic. So were they were selling that shit there. Yeah. Because I think it's the, I think it's, they make it. That's fucked up. I think it's from them. That's crazy. Or, or yeah, at least it's like I don't know. Like I th- it felt like the way because they they kept talking about it on the loudspeaker. Yeah, because those things are selling and doing really well. Like I know you can get them over at Diabolic, and everyone's been kind of talking about them and stuff. So, but apparently the volume two was the whole night. That's the tr- they were showing trailers that were going to be on that volume or whatever. That's very very cool. <laughs> I would have been yeah. stoked, man. Because you know me, I like that shit. It's awesome. But yeah, I'd be I'd be stoked for that September show though, man. Like you said, if they're gonna be playing Hammer stuff and old shitty seventies films and stuff, fuck. Like one that, year they did a black exploitation. That, that's awesome, man. That's totally awesome. I mean, did they play Soul Vengeance? No, <laughs> uh, I forget what they did, but I mean, like I remember I seen a couple years like it was Carrie and Suspiria on thirty five. Like I missed out on so many good years. Oh, <laughs> but like yeah. I plan on going like every April now that I found people to go with. Yeah, that sounds fucking. That sounds major, major cool, man. Definitely, that's 
better than anything that happened in my week. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's probably about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's, you know what? Let's get right into this news. Let's okay, this okay, news. good idea. So uh, this this is something that it is not horror, but I figured I would just report it because it's you know so connected to the stuff that we talk about, and I just figured I, you know if you hadn't heard. I guess you can hear now. Uh, Shout Factory launched a new label uh, called Shout Select, and they announced a couple films like uh, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai for you Carpenter collectors out there who need to have all the Carpenter's films on Blu-ray. They're releasing Elvis, Elvis. Uh, one of his only non-horror films, and uh, Midnight Run in, in a collector's edition. And then they also announced Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey in a three-disc collector's edition set. Um, one thing interesting that I noticed that they were doing with Shout Select is they're actually numbering the cases. So uh, they're oh. they're very much designed like the Scream Factory uh, things where like the collector's editions have the slip hmm. covers with the uh, collector's edition thing and i don't know if it's new artwork but it looks like it could be uh on the first one and then actually down bottom they have them numbered on the spot not only on the spine but then it has like a little almost like label that says shout select it's kind of i really like the design of the Mm -hmm. numbering i think it looks cool but damn i bet you they're kicking themselves that they didn't do that with their scream factory label i bet you they would have sold a lot more because people Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I bet you, man. I bet you big time. You know, I wonder if I wonder if uh, any time if they're gonna have you know where the Shout Select logo is. I wonder if it's gonna say Shout Factory or Scream Factory, <laughs> because yeah. kind of like some of their Scream Factory titles yeah. say Shout, and I think there's four or five of them now that are uh, wrongly printed and they huh. say Shout Factory, but they're actually uh, Scream Factory titles. So yeah. yeah, you know, see, I I almost wish that they would just relaunch the Scream Factory line. Let's just let's just end it. And then, you know, cont- just start it over. Let's drop all the IFCs in the contemporary films and go down to, like, two films a month. <laughs> Fucking yeah. I agree with that shit 100%. Uh, you know they're not going to do that shit, though. No. Um, but, yeah, so uh, that's an interesting little label there. I probably won't grab anything but Elvis just because I am – I don't collect non-horror films, but – for some reason, like certain directors, I just want their entire filmography, like Carpenter, like Wes Craven, even if they made some like music of the heart shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, have you seen those lab- that label? Yeah, I, I just recently heard about it. Yeah, and there's honestly there's not really a lot on there that so far that really interests me. I probably won't pick up any of that stuff. But well, the freaking chat was like exploding over there for Bill and Ted. Like everybody's like, oh my god. Oh no, it was Bill fucking Ted. Jeremy. Fucking Jeremy jerked off on his screen like fucking fourteen <laughs> times over that one. Bill and, and Ted thinking, is all right. Like I no, like Bill and Ted. No, no, no. I, I never thought it was as good as people made it out to be. I I honestly love Bill and Ted, but I mean the fact is the fact of the matter is it's like. A lot of people already have a Bill and Ted Blu-ray because it's already been released. But I know Bogus Journey, this is the first time and people are fucking freaking out over it. So all power to them, whatever. Oh, whatever. I, I wonder what these things are going to be selling for if they're going to be like relatively the same prices as their Shout Factory Blu-ray releases. Because I know the Scream yeah, I, ones, are just, the Scream are more expensive say. than Shout Factory Blu-rays. I so. would probably say that they'll probably be more along the lines of Scream Factory. It seems like this label is just going to release like Almost like um, like nostalgic films for people, and maybe I don't know, just like, I guess like 
Elvis really isn't. I don't maybe know some really maybe for some first timers because I mean Elvis Elvis only had what it had a DVD release, didn't it? Okay, so here's the, here's their idea: from acknowledged classics to cult favorites to unheralded gems, Shout Factory selects celebrates the best in filmmaking, giving these movies the love and attention they deserve. So essentially, it's just like cult favorites that are non horror, I guess. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean that's whatever. Like it's, it's not really new, like interesting to me. But it, you know, maybe they, maybe they should have put uh, "Death Becomes Her" on that label. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, besides that, we have uh, Spike TV uh, has went ahead, and we said before they they greenlit the Miss TV series, uh, but the uh, premiere is going to be directed by Adam Bernstein. Uh, I'm not, huh. not quite sure who Adam Bernstein is. Do you know? <laughs> no. Like you said it with like Adam Bernstein. Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I should look it up. Um, okay, he's done some Breaking Bad, so that's all we need to know. It's, it automatically passes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's going to be directing the pilot, I guess. Uh, or, and then uh, the show is actually supposed to hit the summer of 2017 in a 10-1-hour episode uh season pretty pretty standard fare with the amount of episodes and the- 10 one hour episodes yeah 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 uh production kicks off in the summer and uh it's supposed to have a premiere of 2017 in the summer as well so uh it's filming pretty, this I, summer premiere next summer i'm pretty curious on this one i i'm i'm gonna be honest yeah I'm actually, actually curious i was just like beyond shocked when when you announced this one what it was the last week or the week before I was like, really, the mist? But now, like, upon thinking about it, I'm like, eh, this could be actually kind of interesting, you know, to do this. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm, I'll see what it's up. I mean, honestly, like, watching, binge watching Scream, which I'll talk about later, uh, kind of made me want to check out more TV, if I'm being honest. That's crazy. I mean, that that I, makes you want to check out more. I mean, it, it made me realize that it's not that hard to do. I watched an entire season of Scream in like two days. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'm like, if I can watch that, I can watch like the, all the good stuff, all the really good stuff, you know, just as fast. Um, so I need to stop making excuses and start checking out some of this stuff. But after that, we have um, – this isn't like really horror, but it kind of is – uh, apparently, Bloody Disgusting reported that the film US in- USS Indianapolis um, has uh, gone into production. It's been in development hell for years, and now it's starring Nicolas Cage. And it actually has a trailer already, uh, huh. which is weird. Um, starring Nicolas Cage. You know, US in- USS Indianapolis is a very famous story, most, most known from the uh monologue that uh is given in the film jaws uh and you know it also had yep a few documentaries about it it's a really interesting story it's it's you know world war ii uh one of the submarines goes down or the or the carriers uh, was it a submarine i can't remember uh, uh some kind of uh water vehicle <laughs> and uh it, it gets hit and goes down and they were so far off the grid and you know it was like a secret mission that like nobody even really knew about it so they were stuck out in the water for a long motherfucking time and there was like 1197 crew aboard approximately three went uh down with 300 uh went down with the ship 
while the rest faced the exposure to dehydration, saltwater poisoning, and shark attacks. Uh, only 317 sailors survived. It's a it's a well documented uh, historical moment in our history of just you know survival, and it's a story that I've always really really enjoyed learning about. But it kind of seems weird that it's like a movie. It seems like it's gonna be stupid. Not like Nicolas Cage is in it. I don't know. It just seems like it's gonna be like not serious or something. <laughs> like I just can't. I feel like it's gonna be like more of an action well, it, movie than like a serious like. If it's drama. not gonna be. Yeah, it's not going to be serious if he pulls out like a vampire's kiss performance, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely the most over-the-top performance of all time. But you, Nicolas Cage is one of those guys you never fucking know what you're going to get, man. I actually am a fan of Nicolas Cage. Like, I like Nicolas Cage, but I just don't see this his right kind of role. Like, his right role is like drive angry. I don't know, man. He's done some pretty good shit, man. Leaving Las Vegas is pretty good. And, like, I think he got nominated for an Oscar for that, actually. He's pretty fucking good in that movie, but... Yeah, I mean, he does so many movies and takes so many roles that you just, I don't know, man. I can never take the guy serious in anything. You know, I just feel like he's just doing it. You know, he's just, oh, I'll take that. I'll take that role. But yeah, yeah he does. He honestly doesn't get cast in a whole lot of serious, serious roles. So this is, this is interesting. Hmm. We'll see. Yeah. Watch it. We'll probably fucking kill it, though. <laughs> we'll probably just kill the role, man. Yeah. Uh, um. So uh, after that, it looks like uh, Don't Look in the Basement 2 is happening. And um, is that a public domain film, Don't Look in the Basement? Yep, it is. Okay, so it's easy to make a sequel to it then. Uh, but apparently... Well, at least, so, they, at least they didn't wait too much, you know, wait so long to do the sequel. Oh, yeah, the original just came out in 1973. If it was like yeah. 1963, then that would be yeah. ridiculous. It, but It's only been like 50 years. Yeah. It's actually, what's interesting about the sequel is it's it's a direct sequel. It's supposed to call, follow the event. I've never seen Don't Look in the Basement, but apparently it's supposed to follow the events of what happened in the first Basement film. It's actually a really strange film. You know, that, that's one movie I would love to see get a really good release because every uh, every edition I've ever seen in Don't Look in the Basement kind of looks really shitty. But it's a pretty weird and hmm. kind of unique film. So it'd be, it'd be cool if someone could locate like a fucking negative or something for it and put out a good release of it. But yeah, so if you were to watch these back to back, you're going to watch one and then the new one's going to look so good. <laughs> it's funny because like – Every time I hear Don't Look in the Basement, I always think of um, Stay Out of the Basement, which was like a Goosebumps story about oh, yeah. this these kid's dad who is – he's like grown like plant experiments in his basement and like he's like a plant himself. <laughs> it, it's, I think it's like the second book. Like the, it's is he made – is he grown weed in the basement? Is it like code for weed? <laughs> no. And, and he's remember, a pothead? <laughs> I remember one time when I was a kid, I was staying over his house, this uh, black kid named um, David when I was a kid. Um, and he was like – he was like so scaredy cat of everything. And we, he had like these Goosebumps VHSs and, and I was like, hey, we should watch these. And he's like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can watch those. <laughs> and I was like, oh, come on, man. Like I'm watching Friday the 13th and shit. So we popped it in and there's one scene where the kids like look in the dad's bed or something and the whole entire bed is covered in like dirt and there's just worms everywhere or something like that, I think, if my memory serves me correct. 
and I remember thinking like, and the dude just like tripped and like closed his eyes and like hit under the covers and stuff. I'm like, he's like, he's like oh, the worm man. part, the worm part. I forgot about the worm part. But don't you yeah, wish that you could actually get that fright when you watch oh, it? Wouldn't, yeah. that, wouldn't that make you watch horror films the myself, best like, experience ever? Like when I first seen Insidious, dude, I, like that movie like scared me. Like I, I'm, I can make myself get scared still, and I, I actually love that. If I find like a good made scary movie, like I can mm. make myself get scared still. It happened with Drag Me to Hell too, which a lot of people find laughable but you know whatever <laughs> really i think yeah. honestly i think the last movie that really kind of creeped me out for real i was watching absentia in uh fuck a couple years back and it was it was really really late at night and i was just i don't know man if it was because i was hung over i think it was actually a little bit hung over, but it was like later on in the night and shit and you know like sometimes when you're hung over i know you probably don't remember <laughs> it's been a long time since you even drank but um you know you kind of like get a little edgy you know, it's just because mm. you're kind of getting over it and stuff. And anyways, I'm watching Absentia and I must have looked over my shoulder like like fucking six, seven times while I was watching that film because it might have been the sound mix, too, because I have my surround behind me, too. And it might have been the sound effects. It, it might have just been a really good mix. But, man, it was, the movie was creeping me the fuck out, man. <laughs> it was awesome. I just like I remember I just remember that experience being like, that's really cool because, you know, that was a year or two ago. So. <laughs> You know, in my 30s and being able to get creeped out. <laughs> Fucking rights, man. That was pretty cool. So after that, we have uh, some casting update on Inside Remake. Uh, so the writer uh, who did Wreck uh, has um, and kidnapped director Miguel Vivaez. <laughs> can't say these spanish names <laughs> nailed it uh have all carved out a role for the punisher and mall holland drives laura herrig uh in inside so she's gonna be in an inside looking to replicate the commercial success of female driven genre titles from spain including the orphanage the others wreck and mama the film is a remake of the 2000 french horror film uh le interior Rachel Nichols, best known for roles in The Woods, P2, Pandemic, G.I. Joe, The Rise of the Silver, Rise of Cobra, and uh, Star Trek, will top line the English language remake, which follows a. Oh, we don't need to read the plot. We is all know the credit, plot. Is that a credit that you want to be known for? G.I. Joe, Rise of the Cobras? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, I mean, it, in, Inside is officially, officially going through, and. Honestly, like the poster art looks garbage. So, just saying. Just I think saying. I think inside is going to be probably very similar to uh, what America did to martyrs. You really think, dude? Oh. I think it's just going to be a dumbed down version. It's going to be the exact same film. A little. Di- I mean, can you? Um, can I haven't you seen it, inside, can- so you can't say stuff about it. Okay, so well, that sucks. I'm, I'm just <laughs> for, the, for the for the people out there that have seen it. I mean, let's face it, man. We're not going to see the latter part of that film. It's not going to happen. There's just no way. I mean, if they're going to dumb down Martyrs, you know, the third act of of Inside is most likely not going to happen that way. It's pretty extreme. It really is. It's crazy. And it's kind of a shame. So, like, why? why, I mean, if you're going to do a remake, let's try to outdo them, right? Um, no. You know? Not not if you're trying to make like a commercial successful film in the U.S. But, that, I guess. but that that's that's the major problem though is that you know these filmmakers over in France were not trying to make commercial films they were just making fucking films. These are cash grabs. That's all it is. That sucks. 
because now we're just getting dumbed down versions of these amazing films over in America. And it's so sad because, I mean, I, I just recently watched a guy's um, watched a review and uh, I'm like, okay, he liked Marta's remake. I have nothing against it. If you like the Marta's remake, that's totally cool. No, but... it's not. It's not totally cool if you like the Martyrs remake. If you've seen the original Martyrs and you like the Martyrs remake and think that it's any like you have to be aware. It's not cool if you're not aware. You have to be aware, or else, I, honestly, I, I, we can't be friends. We can't be friends because it's well, not. It's, it's, this is the. It's just. This is... It's just a lesser movie, and there's because it's the same movie. You can't say that it's. You can't say well, no, anything. Th- th- besides it's a lesser movie like you just can't well that's that's the thing see we know like we know that um but uh to be honest you know this this particular person hadn't seen the original one. okay that's fine that's because it's not a bad movie it's if you've never like i said if you've never seen the original if the original never existed and this came out you'd be like oh that was a pretty cool movie and that's that, why i'm saying it's it's not that bad that he enjoyed the film yeah, no absolutely. like i I, I, re- I respect that but it's also given this like you know, you know, for all the people that are going like to see these false, films, it is, it is like a little a false bit love or something. You know, it is, man, because we know that there's an original film and it's much, mm-hmm. much better. And for all these people that are just they're seeing martyrs for the first time, they don't know about the original film. That's just to me, that's kind of a shame, you know, that this is their impression on it. They're like, oh, man, martyrs is fucking cool, man. You know, it's awesome. And I'm like, damn, dude, but you probably should check out the original. There's an original. But I yeah. think that's what's going to happen with this inside. Also, I mean, but, I mean, but I can't maybe, predict the maybe future. Maybe this guy will check out the original now, though, right? Like the guy that you watched. Maybe he'll check out the original. No, he's not going to. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to. Okay. But uh, but you know, it's just I just I I just want everyone to you know kind of you know just experience like what I, like we what we're like what we're experiencing. You know, we're watching uh, yeah, these original yeah, films. Yeah, you, you don't remakes. want people to. Th- like it's almost like when somebody you, likes something, but it's like you don't know the real thing. Like you like something that's, well, that's the not. Thing. I'm always real constantly thing. defending. I'm constantly defending horror films because, like, a lot of people I talk to on a daily basis and things like that, they're like, "Man, you know, fucking this movie was so hardcore." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah. dude, like seriously, man, like come over to my house and check out some of the shit that I watch." <laughs> you know, it's like, but see, they just don't know, and that's that's the problem. And and for me, I'm one of those people. I'm just like, I want you to know too. I, I just want you to understand. You know, and if you're not, if you don't know about the originals, you're not fully there. Yeah. Well, the just, thing with the martyrs, sh- though, it's it's a special case because, like, if you say something like, "Oh, like I love the Hills Have Eyes remake," it's like, yeah, well, Hills Have Eyes is a pretty good movie, and it does a lot of different things. It's you know the same basic story, but it's it's a completely different movie. Like mm-hmm. Martyrs is the same movie, so there you, if you watch Martyrs and you've seen the original, you can't, you then can't say like, "Oh, this is this is pretty good." But you can say that, but you can't mm-hmm. say in no way, shape, or form that it's better. Or you almost can't even like acknowledge that it's. You have to acknowledge that it's. It's literally the same movie except for less good. Like that's what it is. There's nothing exactly. You can't call it anything else but the same movie, but less good. There's no mm-hmm. other description to that film. And you know it. It, it is like like because it's like it's like dude if. If I give you like a super awesome painting that I did and then I'm like, here, like trace over it and try to make it like decent, like it's still going to probably look <laughs> pretty cool, but it's going to yeah. not look, it's, it's going to be like not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be like not as good. <laughs> um, it's hard well, to explain. Not. It's I just, can't it's such an interesting case because it's like, it's the same fucking movie. Yeah. 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 
yeah, it's just it's just it's one of those conversations where it's so hard to explain exactly. Yeah, I can't. I have difficulties, difficulties. and yeah, you know, it's just I just want that. people to maybe you know, in a lesser term, just maybe. I'm not trying to say I have all the knowledge of everything in horror world, but I, I do have a fair amount. And sometimes when I'm talking to these people that want to know more and stuff, but they're just kind of ignorant to the facts. I'm just like, dude, just let me tell you, you know, but some people aren't just willing to listen, man. I'm like, no, go check out this one. I just don't want basically what I'm saying is I just don't want our American, you know, children and our North American children. I should say America. I'm not even American. Our North American children, um, to, you know, to grow up with these so-called pussy films you know it's like jesus this is well, right i mean honestly course. i think they i i think that sometimes they are beneficial because like i can't show like i show somebody at work maniac and then they think i'm like a psychopath like they don't want to they don't want to see shit like that like the like the, like <laughs> the, the remake, remake? yeah <laughs> that's yeah. what like i should i told my co-worker i was like oh like watch this or <laughs> i figured it was like i didn't think it was that bad or anything like and they were just like oh no don't don't recommend movies anymore <laughs> um but anyway you know the thing the thing about the martyrs remake and i and the same there's two remakes that came out like at the same time that are very similar and it's the cabin fever remake which is very much the same movie because it's using the same script but unlike the martyrs remake and i've heard people say like oh i like the martyrs remake better than cabin fever okay but honestly if you're really looking at it the cabin fever remake is a better remake because it changes certain things and it adds different things to it while martyrs literally is the movie my but less good like and it doesn't the things that it changed was like completely bad there are actual things in the cabin fever remake that are improved on they're very few and far between and mm -hmm. because you're improving on something that's like a lesser film altogether it doesn't really work well uh my description of it was Okay, Cabin Fever is a really good movie with minor little like plot issues. Okay, yeah, let's imagine yeah. if they fix those plot issues, but instead you did it on a movie that's less good. So it's it you know, that's kind of what it is. It's a less good mm -hmm. movie, but mm -hmm. they fix certain issues. But so like I had more fun, way more fun with It's the a Cabin less Fever. good movie without the issues. Of <laughs> the original good film. Yeah. <laughs> like these the little minor issues. That, like, you know, whatever. But oh man. I could go on for days about those two movies because I watched them like right at the same time. But anyway, it, it, may, it make it makes for a good conversation, like, you know, honestly. I think when the rest of these, you know, Fab Five remakes come out, because I mean I've I've been stressing for a long time. I'm like, well, you know, martyrs inside, you know, once inside fully. I'm surprised great. high tension's gotta be next. Well I'm, which I'm I'm really kind of surprised that martyrs was the first one of them to be remade and then inside i'm surprised high tension wasn't but um i could see them being remade why not yeah i mean so, that one's that one's simple enough i guess is you know it's a home invasion film so i don't know <sighs> uh, i think it'll be it'll be a good con maybe when they all get remade we'll like we'll do like a original verse um, oh god remake show <laughs> of like fucking be like dead films the fab five versus the fab fail <laughs> the fab fail dude the that's fail, good fail, the fail five the fab fail <laughs> I mean, right, the fab let's... fail that's fucking funny as hell dude so, that was good that was clever that was good <laughs> so uh the craft apparently um you know the 1996 film uh, jesus the craft. christ it's getting remade isn't it well it was initially announced as a remake we might have reported it on the show like years ago but i'm not I sure think, i can't remember i think we did talk about this we actually probably did. 
but anyway, it's been really, really quiet for a while. Yeah. And apparently uh, Hitflix, uh, which is a website, uh, spoke to the remake's producer to celebrate the film's 20th anniversary. Wick said the remake isn't actually a remake, but it's instead more of a continuation of the original story just 20 years later. I wouldn't – this is a quote. I, I wouldn't say that we wouldn't so much call it a remake as a 20-year later f- – as as a 20 years later. There will be callbacks to the original movie, so you will see there is a connection between what happened in the days of the craft and how these young women came across their magic many years later, Wick revealed. Uh, Wick also spoke about the vision that the uh, writer and co-writer – have in store for the viewers explaining here are some young women who once again discover the power of magic and we explore their emotional lives their wants their fears their longings as they become empowered so you know the same way you use a war movie to explore the psyche of men you get to create a heightened world to explore the psyche of these women and so that seems like an opportunity that was ripe and the way to make the movie that would be very much about now and of course part of that was just finding a talent that we felt like enough of the real talent that you'd really be interested in her and this interpretation of the kind of story now and of course lee is exactly that so um this is uh this is interesting because to me, it sounds hmm. like one of those like, okay, well, we're gonna do like we're gonna kind of like remake the movie, sort of. It's gonna be like the same sort of story, like a like a reboot, but but it is not technically like we're probably doing the same story, but it's it's gonna be but connected but in, a, in a sequel like way. Yeah, but they're showing like how like they a got, chainsaw like, three. Yeah, like how they got their powers and things like that. So. In a sense, that's not really remake material. That's well, more, isn't it? Well, isn't that, it kind of seem like no. a sequel in a way? Well, wait, wait what did you? Because they got their powers. You said no, no, no. Talking about how they got their powers. Well, he's talking about these new. It's not going to be the same characters. Oh, it's different characters. Oh, okay, so I, th- I thought we were talking about the. Ri- yeah, if they were talking about the original characters and. Um, well, no, because we know, already how, saw how they got their powers. Yeah, I, that's why I was so wondering. I was like, what? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Okay. Um, but yeah, so so uh, it'll probably have references to the original, maybe be in the same high school, maybe one of the characters will be like a book owner in the books. You know, I could see it going down like that, but it's just it's a re it's the same things happening to new people essentially. You know, so this is just a really fancy explanation for remake. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you're going to use different characters, that's fine, but if you're going to have m- the majority of the same story in but there, isn't that all sequels though? <laughs> Well, not, not not necessarily. I mean, not really. Most I mean, of them. Not really. I mean, no. Like, what's the I difference mean, between Maniac Cop 1 and Maniac Cop 2? Well, I mean... <laughs> okay, what about it's, Friday it's the 13th, the, it's part the, 2 and 3? It's the story, though. I mean, Maniac Cop 2... What about Cop Elm 2? Street 1 and Elm Street 3? It's just in a different setting. It's the same story. Well, what about Elm Street 1 and 2? I mean... Yeah, sequel. and y'all hated it. <laughs> y'all hated but it. it but so it is different. a se- but it is a sequel though. But the the fact I mean Maniac Cop one and two man I mean they're they're connected. Yeah, you know. they're connected, but they're not different. Is what I'm saying. All sequels are kind of the same thing over again. 
Well, I mean, it's variations, I mean, you, but that's what really, I like about sequels. If you but, really dig down, yeah, because it's also because you have this, uh, those same characters are usually in those films and doing and they're doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it like that, for sure. But there's always that different kind of story that's there, too. I mean, if you're going to showcase different characters, which is fine, but um, and then they have the way they got but, their but powers. What, it's like what, the what statement do, though, dude, like, what, what are you going to do? Like, OK, let's make another craft movie sequel. Uh, except 20 years later there's there's we have a new group of girls here and they're I honestly, around with black magic like what what else could you do <laughs> no, but i would honestly i mean for the craft i would i would literally try to make a true sequel just have the same characters like literally the same people yeah but you're gonna grab neve campbell and fruz balk like i don't know it just seems like it what it are they all doing hard. these days they're not doing anything none of them are doing anything so are they not like i, I feel- don't I don't think that they're. I don't think that they're so swept up in their careers that they can't make time to do a, a craft remake. Who I knows? See, but I don't, I don't know. They're all old and stuff. Like I don't even want to see them. The, I want to see like new point. young girls that are hot. No, but that's the point. Like they're twenty years older, and it's like it's it's sequel to this film. Well, the one and, girl was you know, locked up in a mental hospital at the end of the movie and stuff. Well, she's. I mean, it's twenty years later. Most likely, she's out. I mean, nobody really spends. 20 I just feel years. like there's not really a story to tell with those four girls again. Like, of course, you but, tell. Well, I mean, they're older and, you know, maybe they've got family. Who knows? There's something. If you use the same characters, you can always come up with something. I mean, I'm not going to try to come up with something right now because really I don't care. <laughs> but, I mean, know. I think this is the way you do it, honestly. You, 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 you make connections to the original. Maybe you have one of the characters come by and they're like the old woman in the bookstore who knows about the black magic. So these fuck the new characters are the goddamn kids of these original characters. Yeah, they've that, inherited, that, that see when you start doing that, that seems way too fucking gimmicky and like ham fisted in. Like I always, well, hate, if, but hate of like course, that. but then it becomes a sequel though, not a remake. Then but, at least at least you're going into sequel territory. But isn't having a character from the original film already sequel territory? Having a, a character from the original film, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but I mean, okay, you, let's I just mean, say there was even reference. Isn't references alone sequel territory? Mm, not necessarily. I mean, I mean, you, you, I mean, you, if you look at references and films in general, I mean, fuck, there's references to other films in in film worlds all the time. You know, it, 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 if it just so happens to be in sequence with, you know, uh, this, this film, is the this same one, guy who's arguing with me that Tremors Four is a prequel. <laughs> and it's Tremors. you're literally arguing against that point right now. No, like you're saying, it has to have all these different things and not the same movie to be a sequel. Literally, yeah, that's Tremor, like the opposite Tremors, argument. But Tremors Four is a prequel. Why? Because it it says it is. <laughs> no, because it actually is. It's actually set before the time, which is technically a prequel. So no matter how you look at it, it's set before no, it's, the original it's, film. It, no, that that's not what prequel means. Well, it is. It's an origin story of okay, the but j- just because something's set before doesn't make it a prequel. That just means it's a no, movie set. No, before. but no, yeah, of course, of course, that's true. But this one literally is the story of the graboids and how the t- the, the town of perfection was built and stuff. Even though, yeah, the characters have similarities. Of they're not similar. They they're the same characters. Well, of course they are because it's a fucking <laughs> comedy, though, too. That's And you, you want the characters relatable to the viewers so they understand it right away. They don't want to be confused. Like, who's this Asian guy? Who's this Mexican guy? I don't even know what the fuck is so, going on. So let's say – your Mexican guy? Okay, let's say the craft did this, right? And the craft was like, okay – um, this is going to be what happened after. So all this stuff happened in the original film. 
um, there was like four witches in this little high school and now this is 20 years later there's these four new girls who are getting into witchcraft and stuff and uh, they're all kind of similar to the other characters uh, the, the, there's the black one and the, the goth one and the hot one and the main girl one or whatever that they're all very similar so what the hell that's like the same thing (laughs) no but what's the story i mean the story in tremors is literally it's telling the story of how these things were happened later after at the same high school with other witches (laughs) whatever Whatever. I'm saying if you're going to argue that that's but dep- a, a prequel, no, but it depends what the actual story is. It depends what the actual story is. You can set it at the same high school with these new girls and things like that, but it depends on what the, what you're telling as the story. They, you can, have- it's the same story. The same story. They just get powers and they abuse them and they and they have fears and what they what the guy said. The, the guy said they're psyche and they're empowered. So, <laughs> so they're different characters with the exact same story. Um, isn't that what Tremors is? No, it's different. It's the same characters with the exact same story. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, but it, the difference is, is the timeline. It's literally because it's because, yeah, yeah there, the there's, there's obviously similar. There's later. obviously similarities there. But the thing is, though, this one is set 100 years before and it's literally and giving you an origin story. Later. But this, this one's, one's lit- giving you a later story. A story yeah, that that's happens a later. <laughs> that's that's a complete remake. But <laughs> this one is. <laughs> No, it's not, man. It's not. It's the story. They're telling you the development of a city. This is how... uh, This is what happened after. This is the same thing. It's what happened after. No, but before is a prequel. This is a fucking remake. If you're going to take these characters... Oh, God. If if before is a prequel, then shouldn't after be a sequel? I, but but dude it depends on what the story is though if you're but, gonna, like i'm telling you if you just said if you just said if you're gonna base if you're gonna base scenario story no, like it's it, not the it, real one but let, i'm giving you that one if okay four girls and it it follows how they get their powers and their development with their well, powers they're hanging like out that. and they're, they're they're in high school and they learn and they learn how to use magic and shit and they read books and learn how to isn't, isn't that, that how, what happens isn't, isn't that, that how the story anybody that learns how to use magic but isn't that the story in the first film? But isn't that the story to the first Tremors too? No, it no, is the same fucking story. No, it's, no, it's totally story. It's a totally bunch of people go different. to a town where they don't understand that there's monsters under the ground. They learn about the monsters under the ground. They have to battle them, and it even fucking ends the same way. <laughs> okay, the, I didn't say there wasn't similarities, but <laughs> the fact of the matter is, it, it, it there's a timeline here. It's set before, but it also shows the development of the town in Tremors. In Tremors, in Tremors, the 1990 film. They are not – the town is already set in stone. It literally is perfection. It is the fucking town. Okay, what, in if, the it's prequel, the same, what if it's the fucking same high show, school, damn it? They show, you, they show you how the town even changes its name. Well, this guy you know, said like, there's going to be references to the original movie. Doesn't that – isn't that the same fucking thing that they're referencing the <laughs> – the, what happens later that's in the that's fucking, a fucking story remake. Of okay, if, okay, if your basic storyline is four girls, high listen, school, developed magic, that, that's listen, a goddamn this, remake. What's so fucked up about this is I would say this is a remake because Tremors fucking four is a remake. They're both remakes, but I'm saying if you were saying that that's a sequel, then this fucking should be a sequel too. Damn it! No, because there's no, there's no, there's no differences here. The thing is, with the, if you're gonna have that storyline in this there's, new crap film, that's literally a remake. Tremors that's, is the same fucking characters. <laughs> the, these are fucking, at least these are fucking different people. But like, well, then name it something else. Then. <laughs> you know, it's that's like, what that's I'm like, saying. No, 
honestly, dude, the the Tremors four is a fucking prequel for for those two subtle reasons. I, There's shows development the, 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 the of the same graboids. reasons, dude. Dude, they, they weren't even called graboids. They weren't even called grab. They end up naming them in the in the in Tremors the original one and okay, stuff. Okay, there you go. They weren't even fucking called what they're called. Honestly, Perfection wasn't even a goddamn town. They they had like the they had the what was oh, the name of it in the rejection it was, <laughs> rejection. And then they show because you know after everything goes all good, they change it and they're like Perfection, and then and then nineteen. 90s tremor happens and it's like oh that makes absolutely zero fucking sense whatsoever what do you mean like literally zero sense what do you mean the whole story makes no sense it's like it's an origin story it's an origin story of how perfection became to be fucking remake because you need that origin story to to show how well i mean (laughs) it's kind of a joke is though they're the same fucking people you're telling me that fucking old fred listen old fred dies the same way he dies in the in the original film that's a he they remake the scene and they do it slightly different that you as an audience you think that his head's gonna be under this thing so they lift it up and it's like oh nope his head was over here but see we're remaking that scene but doing it slightly different they're literally remaking scenes of course but the story is different though that's the thing like you can have those things different it's It's just in a different era that's all it is okay everybody story in a different era it ends the same they fucking deal band together and it mm -mm. fucking is oh i'm done (laughs) there there's enough subtle differences in tremors for to conclude that it is in fact a prequel this They're idea just telling of, of you it's a craft is a fucking if you're gonna take it's you know, dude but what the honestly i'm being serious right now so it's have literally characters. the same thing the mm-hmm. way that i just if that is you know how it is gonna happen obviously we don't know but the what i'm saying if that's what happens it's literally the same thing as the tremors thing it's set later there's references to the first film characters that are but similar di- it's literally everything is- that you said the difference is it's set in a different timeline. You, you're 20 it's years later. It's the same timeline. Okay. So, and so this is it's 400 in, years earlier. So <clears> it's, <throat> still a, it's still a timeline. It's a, it's a linear know, but, timeline. But this new craft film is set you know, in modern time, which is obviously 20 years later. Okay. Uh, so it has different characters, but it has all the same it – it has all the same amenities of the original film. I mean we have how these characters became – Got their powers, all that type of thing. I mean, yeah, it changed subtle things within the film. It's a fucking remake. Yeah, just like Tremors, because you just described Tremors, except for take later and swap it with earlier, and you said the same thing. No. <laughs> anyway, the fucking pre means remake pre, pre means sequel before. <laughs> so yeah, got, and sequel honestly, means later. Honestly, we need to have yeah, but if you're gonna have the same story. It's a it's, remake. If you're going to change the whole thing, story. it's a fucking sequel. If you're going to take, if you're going to have the same characters and then base it modern time and have new things, yeah, it's a fucking sequel. It's a sequel to the craft. For sure it is. Right now with that stupid ass story, well, yeah, it's I'm a sa- fucking I'm, Like, if they, ma- if they name the characters the same names and, like, I guess it would be a fucking. <laughs> remake or whatever but i mean that's essentially what they did in fucking tremors <laughs> i can see this becoming an ongoing thing <laughs> it, it forever, forever i can't believe like the, the only reason if that was not like labeled as a prequel and if you just switched the the early setting the western setting and it was you know any setting any other setting you would be like, oh, this is a fucking remake of Tremors. Like, but just but because you, they say it, it's a prequel, and no, it's not because even the fact. It's, be, 
in the it, Western times. <laughs> but it's also due to the fact that they developed the, the city of perfection, too. That's an origin story of the city. So no matter how you look at it, that's what it is. Yeah, right? th- that like one fucking little line there. The, the one that's fucking the big, thing with the, the big thing. subtle difference. Thank you. Bam. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> the, it does though, man. It, does, it barely. It's, a, it's an excuse. It's, a, it's like it's a, it's a secret. Uh, <laughs> People leave feedback, man. And oh, by the way, we did have a poll actually on the Facebook. Yeah, group of- and you sabotaged me because you fucking put the poll out before they heard my explanation. I of didn't course, put the poll. Look, if you, I didn't, if I like, didn't make the poll. Like, hey, the Tremors Four: The Legend Begins. What do you think that is? There are people like, oh, it's a prequel. It's at the Dude, beginning. I don't think begins. anybody voted in there that hadn't seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I didn't make the poll. But it wasn't no, made seriously, the like the, the, they it was, might not. It was, fucking Matt. Listen, it was Matt that made I, it. I'm telling you, normally if you would watch that movie, yeah, you would be like, oh, it's a prequel. But Matt. when you're smart and you actually explain it and be like, look, they're just pulling the wool over your eyes. They want you to think that it's a prequel, but essentially, it's a, it's a labeled prequel that is literally a remake of the first film in a different time period. That's what the movie is. Just because they say it's a prequel, you know, it doesn't. Have, it, 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 the, the only thing it doesn't make sense is a prequel because none of that can exist. You can't have the same timeline of people being the same person throughout history. It's not real. It, it but, doesn't happen. But dude, it's it's a comedy. It's meant to be funny. It's not if even it, funny. It's not even a funny movie. But, it's it's but, like a it's like a horror movie. <laughs> I know, but like that's the joke in it, though, man. It's it's just a joke. That they use the same. If you wanted to get real, real serious, they would have changed all the characters, and then they still would have showed you at the end of it how perfection became a town and how they named the graboids and things like that. I mean, th- that's the difference in it. You know, if you took away those same characters, oh my god, we spent a lot of time on this. <laughs> but like seriously, like man, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking to it. You, I mean, it's cool, man. I mean, if if you want to think that it's uh, that it's a remake, I'm just a realist, I'm, dog. That's that's it. I'm just I'm, oh, I look shit. at facts that are presented real to me, and I'm just like, yo, this like you might tell me that this is fucking donuts, but I know that it's shit. Okay, like you can't just trick me like that, dog. Yeah. And by the way, by the <laughs> Matt was on that Tremor show. Matt was on that Tremor show, and he's the one that made that poll. Oh, and I know. He even agrees. <laughs> Y'all are both fucking. I'm insane. just everybody. It up. I'm not Listen, trying to bully you. Like I'm people, not trying to bully you. <laughs> people who don't comprehend the way that I think. Yeah, all y'all are gonna fucking think that it's a prequel because y'all are blind to the fact of the truth. And this is the truth, people. Le- follow me, and I will guide you to the light, which is the truth. Because I, I, mean, I ain't buying that shit. I ain't buying the shit that you're selling. Okay, Tremors for producers, you got them fooled. But I know that shit's a remake. Okay, you ain't gonna lie to me. <laughs> shit it's been a long time since we had one of those uh, it's fun dude i mean honestly like it's funny as fuck because it's such a convoluted like argument in both situations because (laughs) really the truth is it's like part prequel part remake like if you really want to get oh see now we're now okay now we're changing our story just a little bit well, right. I mean, the one just reference that it's like, oh, it's <laughs> but, real, but you did, but you, <laughs> but you did admit that there's a little bit of prequel in there. Oh yeah, so. for sure, the part that they're trying to trick you with. <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> you, you can, if I if I put like, if I put like two percent p in your 
in your <laughs> in your fucking uh, pop, would you be like, oh, this is this is good pop, or would you be like, oh, this is fucking yeah two percent pop in your pee like it's still gonna be pee (laughs) it's still a remake okay just because there's two percent that's saying it's not i got i gotta stick with my word man prequel (laughs) fucking craft remake well we'll actually we'll need to see what the craft actually looks like before we call it a, a anything yeah yeah i guess we need a little more finer details on the actual story but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. After that, uh, Puppet Master being remade. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, so this one's actually kind of interesting. I got a press release for this. It was actually from um, I don't even know who I got the press release what? from, but it was crazy because I got like the legit press release, the same one that's on like Bloody Disgusting and stuff. And it actually has a poster <laughs> and shit. And I was like, who, who the fuck is producing this? Because I don't get full moon press releases. Yeah. And um, it's the same people who – so I guess it's like kind of like RLJ Entertainment. But see, their company is weird because like Image, RLJ, and like uh, Macabre, like the, the the whatever that – I forget what the label is. But they're all like – Yeah, it's Macabre. They all do like the same shit. Like I don't know which is the actual caliber. Yeah, it's caliber media. Like I don't know what the real company is. <laughs> um, I actually but don't know. They are partnered up with Charles Band to produce a Puppet Master, but they they didn't call it. They didn't they didn't call it a like remake per se. So it's gonna be a fucking prequel. <laughs> <laughs> it, this one's confusing. To I me. can't believe I can't believe. That the next piece of news had to do with a remake. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and I know. it was confusing. So, what the fuck? So it's they, like they labeled it as like Caliber Media teams up with uh, you know legendary filmmaker Charles Band for a, a new Puppet Master universe or something like that. And so apparently, I'm, I'm confused though because isn't there a new Puppet Master film coming out to round out the the Axis of Evil trilogy? Yes. Right, and so that is coming out, and then once that drops, we're working on a remake. Like, that is fucking so confusing. Like, like I think gonna... it's a remake. It's I, it is a remake because, it, but I think it's supposed to be like the news is getting conf- more confusing every week. <laughs> it, it, the, the, what they're saying is like the intention is to expand the mythology, producing multiple storylines within a new universe, much like Avengers or X Men, and have uh, uh, the Bone Tomahawk uh, ri- guy that is writing it. Well, uh, which is interest- interesting, at least. If you're going to uh, set it in a new universe and stuff, like, I mean, that's definitely not a prequel. That's not remake. That's fucking that actually kind of defines reboot, <laughs> even though I kind of associate the word reboot with a franchise that's been dead for a while. And you just kind of come up with a new story and whatever. Um, reboot but, is such it, a loose term because it could literally mean like, oh, we haven't made a sequel in 20 years. Let's let's reboot the franchise well, that, and make another how, sequel. That's how I kind of see it, right? Like if you, you know, if it's been 20 years, whatever, and you come up with a brand new story and you're not, it's not related to like any of the other sequels and it's definitely not a remake, That that's kind of a reboot. But in this case, the word reboot is kind of odd to use considering they're just going to drop the third part of the Axis of Evil's trilogy. Well, the problem, and next okay. week they're going to bring out this and it's like, okay, we're going to reboot the franchise w- with a totally different story set in a different universe. But, Dude, okay, I am so confused. It's, here's the problem though. All of them are like that. That like only like three yeah. films follow yeah. the actual story. Like the actual For sure. end For sure. of the series is part two. Like if you're in the timeline – I think technically the end of the series is part two because it's well, after too long comes back to life. Like, yeah. 
And, yeah. you know, then part three is back in the old days. And then part four it's a prequel. is like part four is set in the castle again. So it's yeah. technically before part two and part five is right after part four. And then it's like retro. Like, I think part two is technically like the end of the storyline because it's when they're supposed to go to the like. The, yeah, because they, they kind ends. of they bounce around in the in the in that world's timeline. Right, like his part three is like a prequel, and then these ones kind of fit in between the sequels and stuff. Yeah, it's like, a, it's, like a very, it's a very, it's a very odd franchise. And then like nine, ten, and eleven are also like set it in like the same era as part three. I actually saw someone. It was I think it was like about a year ago. I saw someone talking about the Puppet Master series, and they ranked the well, they didn't rank the films, but they showed you <clears throat> a specific timeline. You could watch them, in. like you could watch part one, or you know, you could part watch part three first. And then you could watch this one and blah, blah. And it was like – It's like part three, nine, yeah. ten, eleven. Then, you know, like uh, retro uh, and curses by itself. Then legacy and then part one, part two. Yeah. It's it's in that – It was re- that timeline actually. It was I think I like, know the timeline actually. It, it was something like that and I thought that was very intriguing because I, was like, I always thought that the Puppet Master franchise was all over the place because – Now, there just will be plot holes throughout that because it's oh, not for sure. designed well. For but sure. The, if but if you technically want to get is, technical about it, like that would be the timeline. Yeah, you could actually watch it completely out of order, which technically is the order of the yeah. films, which is really interesting. So that's why when they say we're remaking it, it's like, yeah, well, you've been doing that. That's that's why I don't just because something's called a sequel sometimes like it's st- like yes technically it's a sequel and it feels better to say it's a sequel and not a remake but most of the time the story like so, especially like the puppet masters like they're just they're retelling they're just other stories like in this universe like so it's yeah, already yeah. been that way and they're calling it puppet master the little Reich so I I feel like that so, automatically makes it not a remake oh, no I, I you know what that sounds like that sounds like a prequel to the to the axes of evil trilogy uh, thing, right? So, so part, there, so three, there, part three is a prequel to the axis of evil trilogy. Yeah. So then, so this, maybe this one is a part of that story. Maybe it comes just after part three. So you go part three, part 12. Well, I'll tell you, here's how <laughs> it goes. So, so. so the storyline for the little Reich follows a recently divorced young man who discovers a mint condition blade doll in his deceased brother's closet. And plans to sell the toy at a convention in Oregon celebrating the 30th anniversary of the infamous Toulon murders. So it is oh, yeah. 30 years after the Toulon murders, which are technically in the 80s, I think. If that if they're talking about the first film's murders. Yeah. See. Or the second film's. See, you know, that's where it gets crazy. All hell breaks exactly. loose at a post-village lodge during an auction when strange forces animate all the various puppets throughout the convention as they go on a bloody killing spree. I mean, honestly, it can literally be anything. It could be like a half. Re- it's pro- probably what it is. Just like a remake, sequel, fucking reboot, retelling, recalibration, reimagining. It's all that combined. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense within that world of Puppet Master right because now. Because it's all fucked up anyway. So yeah, exactly. Really- so, I mean, you could really keep making these films and just kind of inserting a story somewhere. Because no matter how you look at it within a huge franchise like that. You take certain characters. There's a story within all those characters, right? So you could always do a not. A, I don't want to use the word spinoff, but you know what I'm saying. Just kind of insert a film in there and kind of connect it to a certain part of the franchise. You know, it's confusing as hell, but at the same time, you know, I, I find that kind of kind of cool. Not even ludicrous at all. <laughs> the only thing, the reason why I'm all for this idea is one. They can make a million Puppet Master movies, and I'll still watch them because I like them. They're Me bad too. movies. Like yes. there's one good movie in there, arguably, and like a couple of okay ones. Uh, but 
you know, the cool thing about this and the, what I got most excited, everybody's like, oh, no, Puppet Master Remake. It's like, dude, they're all fucking weird sequel remake things anyway, so it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. And two, when I hear this company has teamed with legendary filmmaker Charles Band, I hear money. I hear that there's more of a budget than there used to be. So that makes me think like, oh, like they're actually going to take this one serious instead of just like a cash in like, hey, we got to make another Puppet Master movie so we can make eight more Evil Bong movies. <laughs> no way, man. He's going to take half that money and all of a sudden find a whole pile of old or big boxes again. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's weird. That's yeah, weird. So, um, I mean, yeah, so it's I don't it. Fuck. You know, whatever. I'm Honestly, not. man, I'm I'm totally with it too, man. I but mean, all we, I know is we're gonna have to wait to do. It. We're gonna there's gonna be two gonna more see. fucking movies before we get our franchise. Well, we know it. we know these full moon movies come out like fucking. They're like periods, man. They're like it's like once a month with these fucking things. So it's like, who knows? We might not even have to wait that long. But I know Matt already signed up for this. So if y'all like uh, unit horror movies on the show, he's gonna be on this one. And you know, I think it's gonna be a fucking blast. I, I think we might need more bodies in on this one. Yeah. <laughs> To kind of explain this timeline, man. It's going to take a whole show just to explain the freaking timeline. I I love the Pop Master series, though. Like, I like most of them in the series, but... I've been kind of dabbling back into them. Like, I I recently watched, uh, you know, Part 4 and 5. I watched Part 5, actually. Transfer on it. Excellent. Um, But... uh, Yeah, man. It's it's kind of cool revisiting these films. I have a lot of fun with them. Like you said, they're not great films. They're just highly entertaining. Yeah. All right. So, after that, just one few more little quick things here um scream factory uh their original movie fender bender is going to premiere june 9th on the uh, chiller network i believe which is pretty cool um that's that's really neat that they were able to do like a actual feature you know movie like they they, they fucking made a movie <laughs> well i mean they made they they funded the film probably from uh media sales and stuff i would assume yeah, I would probably assume there's... So, technically, we should be an executive producer on, yeah, <laughs> on yeah. this since we own all the fucking movies? <laughs> no, but I thought it was kind of funny. I saw the Defender Bender cover, and instantly I thought of Zipper Face. I remember seeing this picture, Zipper Face, and I was like, that fucking leather mask with the zippers and shit like that. I'm like, that mask isn't that original. So, hopefully, it's the movie's better than the... Listen, it's more the- original than a bowling bag. <laughs> Dude, if you have a fucking ser- or a, 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 a slasher film based in a bowling alley, it's literally the thing you come up with first. It's like maybe a bowling bag, and then you're like, oh no, that's too obvious. And then you pick like eight more ideas that also suck, and then you're like, oh, this ninth but idea it, is okay. But it has to be the bowling bag because what else are you gonna use? A bowling like I already said that they, you can't put a pin on your head. What, what else are you gonna use as a mask? Not or, a bowling bag. It looks stupid. But. Oh, it's so good. I even wore that fucker too, man. It looks awesome, yeah, man. But you it's... have to realize that like, okay, it's obvious and what else are you going to use? But at the same time, it's stupid. So let's not do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's better than having no mask. Let's just put it that Maybe. way. Maybe. Oh, dude, I've been watching. I don't know what is with If you just had like a creepy like I... guy. Well, you have to have I've a... been watching a lot of really shitty films and i for some weird reason i'm watching a lot of bad slasher films too like i just recently reviewed this film called axman and you know the film could have been a whole lot better if it just there was pff, fucking tighten it up a little bit but the killer didn't have a mask and it just bugged the shit out of me and i'm like okay this movie is it's just set up so perfectly for this killer to have a mask and he didn't have a fucking mask and it was driving me crazy what about like a, just like a fluorescent like fucking collage of mask like just some painted ass fluorescent like because the whole fucking place is fluorescent 
Yeah, because they were born. It was like cosmic. Yeah, so, so your face is all fluorescent and it fucking looks cool under the black light. That would be fucking cool. Dude, that sounds like a killer that should have been in Hellbent. <laughs> uh, the bowling bag is literally. I've yet to see a wears mask, but I'm still waiting to see one. Uh, I don't know, man. It's so bad. I find it. I find it like you guys almost like know that it's bad, but you're just like, oh yeah, no, it's. No, I cool. truly, honestly, <laughs> I actually like it because it's it just. It looks so stupid. You can't take it seriously. It's, dude. Of course, it's a fucking bag on your head, but it's so impressive. It's fitting because that ball it's at one time, or that bag at one time, had a ball in it. It, so. The killer looks not threatening. He looks silly. That's <laughs> that's usually bad. You don't want your killer to look silly. You want no. him to be threatening. Uh, <laughs> Agree uh, to disagree for the eighth time this show. <laughs> so fender bender. Goddamn bowling bag head, man. Uh, I know, I know, I know. I'm just bringing them all out tonight. Uh, <laughs> fender bender is um, coming out June 3rd on Chiller. I'm gonna watch it. Fuck it, I'm watching it. Why not, man? And after that, we have a announcement of Invasion from uh, of the Body Snatchers 1978 version coming from Scream Factory August 2nd, uh, which, you know, that's cool, whatever. I already own it twice, so I'm not really super stoked <laughs> on that. Uh, and then they announced a psychological thriller called... Now you know how I feel when they announce shit like that. I own it a couple times, too. <laughs> well, I've still never even watched it once, and I already own it twice. It's the best one out of the four. So I mean, if I mean if having three copies of it, I guess is probably not a bad thing. Yeah, it probably is. But <laughs> well, I own one in a multi pack, and then one is a snapper case. So eh, I guess it's not the worst upgrade. Yeah. All right, so that's the news. That is the news. Wow. Yes, that was a long one. <clears throat> I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't even realize we were too busy arguing the whole time. Yeah, well, it was mostly not news. It was mostly just, like, tremors talk. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you bringing up old shit? <laughs> uh, all right. uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, that was that was fun. Um, get into mood swings. And the, uh, the DVD and Blu-ray releases for March 10th, 2016. And, yeah, we got a decent amount this week. Uh, first up here from... Who's actually releasing this one? I totally forgot. Um, Universal. That's right. Universal's putting out this. Now, I've heard pretty decent things about this one. And it is called The Boy. It is the second film this year to be released called The Boy. Every year this happens to us. Now, doesn't it? What was last year? Hmm. Um, what, what was like Beneath? Final Girls. Final Girls, Beneath. Beneath uh, was the year before. Oh, Beneath was the year before. Wasn't there three films that year called Beneath or something? It was just fucking crazy. But uh, I don't know. You haven't seen. Have you seen the boy yet? Or mm-hmm. no, no, you haven't. So no, I haven't seen it yet. So I, I've heard. Uh, I've heard. You know, all around the spectrum of reviews on this one. So, but I am curious. It is. Universal. I've heard pretty good things. Yeah, I've heard some people say you know it was it was decent. So I don't know really what that means, but yeah. Uh, here's what I'm really looking forward to from 1976, uh, released by Kino. It's called The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. Uh, never seen this one. Um, I noticed that Jodie Foster, Martin Sheen was in it and stuff. I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool, man. Pretty cool. So looking forward to that one. I'm sure I'll have to wait like six months to pick it up because all the Kino releases up here right now are like $35, so they can go fuck themselves. Uh, next up here is a film that's being released by Rare Video. It's already they've already released this on DVD, but uh, you know it's definitely that good that it needs a Blu-ray release. But it's called Perfume of the Lady in Black. Now this is an excellent, excellent film. 
Uh, for the people out there that have no idea what it is, you don't need to know anything. You just need to run out and you know definitely check it out because it's awesome. Uh, highly recommend this film, Perfume of the Lady in Black, coming to Blu-ray finally. They announced this one a long time ago. I don't know what the holdup was, but... Anyways, uh, from Mondo Macabro, we got Symptoms, and I believe this is a another 70s film that was like a long lost, you know, film from the 70s. And uh, this is getting its very first release, I think, media release ever. So now that is inviting. That's really, really inviting. I do have mine pre-ordered because... I'm fucking cool like that. Uh, <laughs> next up here from uh, from Scream Factory. Uh, shout, no, I think this is a Scream Factory release. You'll Like My Mother. Awesome. Never seen this one, so I am super uber stoked on this one. Uh, yeah, man. I just It's got this like really kind of so 70s look to it on the cover. Loving it. Yeah, really stoked for that one. Um, <laughs> next up here from... Now, when I first looked at this release, I thought this was going to be... Um, Wild Eye release, and it's actually being released by Brain Damage Films, and it's called Arachnicide. <laughs> okay, so every once in a while, you know, these big killer, ridiculous CGI fest killer spider films come out, and I'm a sucker for them, man. I like these stupid ass films, and um, yeah, Arachnicide looks terrible. Can't wait to see it. Uh, I thought this one actually looked pretty interesting. Um, this one's being released by Brink. Now, Brink doesn't release a whole lot of stuff. Actually, I think the last couple of films I've seen by Brink haven't really been the greatest. They've been very oddball kind of things. But um, this one, you know, is being dubbed as like a return to the old classic gothic slash folk horror movie. Now, that's really inviting to me because I love gothic folk films. This one's called The Devil's Woods. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's it's getting good quotes. Uh Maybe not by the most reliable people. I don't know. But it looks pretty damn cool. So The Devil's Woods. Yeah, I think that one looks pretty damn cool. Uh, this one right here, I believe, is from Midnight Releasing, and it's called Evil Souls. Um, <laughs> to be honest, it looks atrocious. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, yeah, I haven't had much luck with... Uh, I got one more film here to review from Midnight, but yeah, it hasn't been that great from Midnight as uh, late. But Evil Souls, but at least this, uh, this killer has a mask on. That's pretty cool. It's not a bowling bag. It's not as cool as the bowling bag, but you know, you know how it goes. <laughs> uh, that mask up, is way cooler, by the way. Next up here from Lionsgate. Lionsgate stuff, man. Film called Manson's Lost Girls. You know, I I requested a screener for that, and I don't know if it's ever if it came or what. But I loved the cover, and I was like, oh, I want to check this out. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Some, the Lionsgate's really weird with me. Like sometimes they give me stuff, and most of the time they don't. Yeah, yeah. This one it definitely has that kind of psychedelic kind of '60s looking cover to it. But I'm always curious on Manson films, man. They always look pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some odd reason, Full Moon is releasing Puppet Master: The Legacy on re-releasing on DVD. I don't. Yeah, know. but it actually has a good co- not a good cover, but a more fitting cover, I guess, to, than the one that it had before. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what they're doing. They're just re-releasing with different covers. So, uh, But then, you know, probably in a couple months they'll release a Blu-ray because these are like the next ones to come out. So whatever. That, that one's actually like the second worst Puppet Master. Yeah, yeah. It's like a clip show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, then coming out from, I believe, Anchor Bay because I watched J- – I was going to call you Jeremy. Jesus. Uh, um, JP's review on uh-huh. <laughs> of Scream – 
uh, yeah, Scream, the TV series, uh, coming to DVD. And yeah, to note one thing, this one is not being released on Blu-ray for some weird reason. I don't know if they have any plans to, but... No, uh, I, you know, I don't think that's just, like, Scream. I think MTV usually does that with most of their shows. Like, I think, like, Teen Wolf and stuff is only on DVD. Yeah. Well, DVD is not dead, man. So uh, Not even close to dead. That's a thing, man. It still sells. So, anyways, Scream, the, uh, the first season... Check it out if you're interested. Uh, next up here from um, Unearth Films is uh, one I've actually had on pre-order for a long time. And it's called Sheepskin. It's got a fantastic cover. It does um, have I, a fantastic cover. I usually don't watch reviews of films I, I really want to check out uh, prior to watching them myself. because you know. But I don't really have any plans to review this film anyways. So I did watch um, a guy's review the other day. And he said it's his favorite film he's seen this year. Oh, really? Because I was expecting this to be one of those totally like, yeah, this is going to suck because the cover is (laughs) good. No, he pretty much said the exact same thing you just said in his review. He's like, well, good cover, probably shit film. And he said this one is very not by the book. It's very different. It's an interesting take on werewolves and certain things that are going on. And I only watched this guy's review, uh, zombiesdontrun.net. Um, he's, that's his website and he's got a YouTube channel. He's very, very small on his YouTube channel, but he yeah, very uh, shout out. Um, I really like the guy. I've never commented on one of his videos. I probably should, but uh, um, I do like his reviews because he reveals nothing. He just gives you a basic plot and kind of gives us thoughts overall Those and stuff. Those are my stuff. favorite and kind of reviews. So it's nice. It's very, very nice that you know he's not ruining anything for you. And that's the only reason why I did check it out because I was kind of curious. And it was short. It was only like a four or five minute review. So, but that was very inviting, knowing that he gets a lot of screeners. Like he gets everything. Like he reviews arrows. He releases or reviews everything. So. Um, that was very cool to hear. I can't wait to check out Sheepskin. So, mm. yeah, <laughs> got me a little, uh, little giddy on that one. Uh, now this one right here, I couldn't believe that this was being released by Full Moon. I looked at the cover and I was like, who is releasing? Usually I try to test myself. I'll look at a cover when I'm doing these and I'll go, who's releasing that one? Who's mm. releasing that one? And I'll, usually I get it right. And I was like, I don't know who's releasing this one. Full Moon is releasing this film called Spectre's Variant. Uh, I that don't doesn't know. look like a full moon film. I know that's what I said. Hmm, it's it stupid. Def- it definitely doesn't look anything like full moon. So who knows? And this one right here got me too. I had no idea. Another full moon film, and it's called Zombie Decadence. Now this, the color scheme on this does. These kinda, look like I'm, wild eyes. That's what I thought, man. I I I, I thought that you know, I don't know, but. Full Moon back in the house with all these new releases, and these are you know, you know, contemporary films too. So this is interesting. But uh, who knows with Full Moon? Very very hit and miss these days with their contemporary stuff. So yeah, but uh, that is going to do it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases for August <laughs> August tenth. Wow, I've, I I fuck shit up all the time. I, I just I'm amazing. Uh, May tenth, two thousand sixteen. Um, and getting into the uh, the pick of the week. <laughs> the release of the week. <laughs> I did it purposely. I did it purposely. Uh, the release of the week. Um, now, this is pretty interesting because we got a couple good choices here. Now, I know the quality of the perfume of the Lady in Black. It's a fantastic film. And then we got Symptoms. You know, that one's never had a release before. It's thought to be a lost film, which is really cool. Uh, then we got Arachnicide. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and then knowing that Sheepskin's good, but this week I am going to 100% go with Symptoms from Mondo Macabro. If you got to pick up something, go with Symptoms because 
you can never have enough films that have never had a release in your collection. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so it is what it is. Cool. Interesting. Awesome. I mean, I don't really know anything about that movie besides what we just talked about. But it, you know, I, can't, I can't wait to get my copy. It's not that expensive, honestly. I, well, I pre-ordered the one from Mondo, like, you know, the, the limited red case one or whatever. And it's pretty much the exact same price as the cool. other one. You just get it, like, two months earlier. So... But or you're supposed to. I don't even know if my if it shipped yet. What the fuck? <laughs> Come to think of it, it didn't ship yet. So, um, but yeah, that is the uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases for the week. Let's get into some voicemails. Voicemails and questions. Do we have? We got some this week. I know. I know we. Got yeah, some. we had a question too, but we're gonna save that for next week. Uh, so I think uh, the guy from Canada. Yeah, from Toronto. Um, so yeah, we'll get to you next week, but, uh, we got some voicemails for tonight. So, uh, first up. Hey, it's Lawrence again. Sorry that I'm not doing more of my voice acting. Things are getting a little <laughs> crazy on my end, but I was listening to the basket case. Well, you were talking about it on the podcast tonight. I was thinking about what you were saying about the effects, and it got me thinking about some of those old black and white science fiction horror films, really goofy ones that just some of the most ridiculous setups and special effects. I'm wondering if you guys could do like a top five or a top ten of those movies for one of the podcasts. Maybe get some of the hey, guys you normally bring on the podcast from like Exploding Heads or something like that. You know, just really have a fun time with it. Maybe you could do it in July. After all, what's better during the 4th of July than some really bad movies with really fun effects? I can already think of the the giant claw. Probably be one of them. I know there's a few tarantula movies out there. So, sorry to tell you, Lawrence, but we already have shitty mm-hmm. movies planned for July, which is the summer. We were doing <laughs> uh, Know What You Did Last Summer trilogy. Oh, shit, man. You know what? That wasn't even on the list. No, so no, no, we, no, no. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Jesus Christ. I think we have like almost every show planned like until episode 100, I swear <laughs> to God. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know what, man? Those old like. 50s and shit 60s black and white like monster movies and different creature movies and stuff like i used to watch those all the time when i was a kid like late at night on monster vision before it was like hosted by joe bob they had a lot of those bad ones on yeah yeah like 94 and i don't remember really any of them but i always have like good memories but then when i try to watch them like i don't know like i I feel like i have to be in like a certain mood like i almost like they have to be like marathon on some late night tv show or something like that kind of vibe um but yeah i mean that might not be a bad show to do some like early early um like oh dude or something we'd have to do some brainstorming to come up with some really good bad ones there's so yeah. many fucking 50s has just an amazing selection of like 
terrible sci-fi horror films, man. How to make a monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so bad, man. Ugh, like, but yeah, we'll do a little bit of brainstorming. I think we could probably put out something like that. Because honestly, I'm a big fan of watching things like that. I love them. Like, even watching, like, the old Roger Corman films, like, oh, yeah, Attack of the true. Crab Monster. You know, things like that. Like, I love those films, man. Yep. Really good. Even though his films, you know, comparatively are, like, really, really good compared to some of the other ones <laughs> that came up, which is so sad. But <clears throat> remember it was, uh, The Terror from Beyond Space? You watched that one, too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. The one that was in, uh, I like that one. I like that film, man. It's fun, man. Yeah. But I think that honestly that's one of the better ones anyways, but but yeah, the, the the list goes on and on, man. We could just we could do this forever, so. Yeah, so we'll look into doing that, Lawrence. Uh next up we got another voicemail. Hey guys, it's Lawrence. Um I had a thought. You mentioned in episode 79 uh the evil bong that it was going to get like uh, a fifth film or one with an house. I was wondering, what do you think about them making another uh, Evil Bong versus Ginger Dead Man <laughs> film? Like Evil Bong versus Ginger Dead Man to get baked. I think that that would work just on the title alone. Get baked? I don't know how many people would actually buy it, but it I might did. be worth it just to see how terrible it could be. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that the evil bong had lasted that long, because I watched the first one, and it was about as entertaining as watching Goldfish in a Bowl for about an hour and a half. <laughs> well, anyway, have a great time, guys. Bye. Man. So, first of all, I gotta say, the get baked tagline is literally the best tagline. It works on both levels. Like, that was genius. Because get, get baked. baked is in smoke weed, and get baked is in your fucking gingerbread cookie. Dude, it's it's definitely, you know, someone's gonna steal that from Fulman. That's like the best. I'm surprised the first one, Evil Bong, it probably had to have. It you know, that, that tagline that. alone is enough to sell the sequel. I mean, <laughs> given that Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong was fucking atrocious they're all bad no but this one was really bad like it was i I didn't even like it me and jeremy watched it i was when i was in chicago visiting him we actually throw that we were laughing the whole time i was like dude this movie is fucking terrible it was like just a really really bad it was one of those films where they took like the ginger dead man story and for like the first quarter or you know a little more of the quarter of the film they kind of recapped the ginger dead man films and then the evil bong films, they kind of recap those films. And then there was like this little kind of like, you know, this confrontation between the two at the end. It was like not a verse film. So it was <laughs> you like know? a clip show. In a way, in a way. But there was a storyline there. But it was just really poorly done, like really terrible. Typical Charles Honestly, Band like... fashion. Like no fucking budget. <laughs> like, hey, let's just take these clips and let's, re- you know, rehash all this shit. You know, fucking he does it in a clever way, though. You're like, oh, at first you're like, you don't even realize that you're watching clips. And you're like, wait a minute. That motherfucker's tricking me right now. <laughs> Honestly, Evil Bong, the, like the series, I am surprised that it made it as far as it did because – the first I'm, couple aren't even – all of them are the, – all three that I've seen are not good movies at all. No, I like them though, man. I've, <laughs> I've only seen the first three. I haven't seen uh, uh, 420 or Part 5, which is High Five. I, yeah. I, I kind of order those sometimes, but I actually like the first three. I think they're pretty fun, man. Well, I don't know. I, I the first of- one is kind of cool because it has like somewhat of a budget and they got Tommy Chong and it was I like – I like that you go to Bong World. <laughs> you know, you it's smoke. literally a strip club, dude. 
I love it. That just I just strip club. <laughs> no, totally, but but you, but you go to fucking bong roll, which is a, which is a strip club, which is nothing wrong with it. You're high and you're watching titties. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I'm just saying, like the set is a strip club. Oh no, it's totally not supposed to be. They're not actually supposed to be at a strip club, but that's just where they're at. And <laughs> <laughs> I know. The bong world apparently is just titties. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, like it, the, the movies are. I I like them a little bit, but honestly, like. I tried rewatching them a few years ago and they just don't have anything to them. Like they don't really have much, like the idea is great. And like the, like on paper, like it should be really cool. But at the end of the day, it's just kind of lame. Like they don't do anything. Like they, there, there's actually like nothing happening. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you know, you can blame Charles Bam for that because these movies are like 75 minutes long. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's no budget. There's no, there's no running time to them. So you can't really develop anything in them, you know? Yeah. But uh, I don't know, man, for some odd reason, I think there's some of the better full moon films, which is very, very sad to say. Because I actually think there's some of the more average that I've seen in the last for, like six, seven years for, for the modern films. I yeah. Think like, cause even like dangerous worry dolls and like all those other fucking doll ones that came out. I like I mean, that. What's that one doll one? The fucking doll graveyard was better than that. Than the doll, evil bongs. Was, yeah. Doll graveyard was cool. And that Ooga Booga was fucking terrible. I didn't see that one. It was awful. It was really, really bad. But yeah, a lot of the more contemporary, the, you know, the ones that they've done in like the last 10, 15 years, there hasn't been like a big selection of good ones. I think the Ginger Dead Man films and the Bong films. And I mean, Killjoy, make them, the later Killjoys are better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, holy shit, dude. The first couple are just atrocious. The, literally, the first Killjoy is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it is bad. It is. It, it's actually so bad and low budget. It doesn't even seem full moon. It's weird. It doesn't seem like a movie. You know, it's weird, man. It's so, so strange. But, but yeah, Lawrence, you win for the best tagline ever said on the, on the show. Get baked. That's, I mean, honestly, I want to buy two copies right now (laughs) just because it says get baked. I want that poster. (laughs) I want that poster right now, man. That's awesome. So we got another voicemail. So I'm going to play that one. Speaking of poster art. Improvised, damn it. I know what he's talking about. It's not like I can phone in poster art. So, yeah, you're going to have to deal without that. But let's try another Corman. Let's try, how about Death by Date? Let's see what you come up with that. (laughs) If you haven't figured it out, it's Lawrence again. Oh, we know. Oh, anyway, pizza. talk to you guys later. Bye. Death by date, honestly. <laughs> okay, so he, what, what, he, the question last week, what was the question? It was like, he, here's a poster and a title, make a movie around it. Wasn't that it? Yeah, so essentially that's exactly what he's doing right now. Yeah, so because we were talking shit like, <laughs> oh, like Corman did it and he had posters to work with. And we oh, that's how it came about. Yeah, so <laughs> Corman would literally write a script based on a poster or whatever. Yeah, but, but we was talking shit because Lawrence didn't draw us posters. Yeah, and he's like, how the hell am I supposed to phone <laughs> in a poster art? <laughs> but okay, like, so death, death by Date, is that what it was called? Yeah, the first thing I come to mind with Death by Date is, you know those like – you know those uh, those speed dating services? Yeah. You know those things, man, where you like – it's like an interview. You have like 60 seconds to be like interviewed and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I could just see one of those things turning not good. <laughs> you know? I think that's where your story stems from is one of those speed dating things. And it's a typical slasher film. I don't okay. know. 
That was my, mine is like uh, I think of um okay so this is set on like an alien planet where humans are harvested for food and we have this this is going to be very <laughs> sci-fi cheese okay Jesus. and the and what you have is you have people who are harvested as food on this alien planet um it's really cheesy and shit the monsters are like tentacly and they have uh they're like ru- obviously like rubber suit monsters like think like the green slime only like a little bit better like uh Roger Corman era style stuff too and you have these these people who are all like captured in pods and they're t- took in in like almost like egg cartons they're in egg cartons and they have a death by date it's kind of like a use by date but it's like they're gonna die if you don't suck their nutrients out of them by this date, and that's the plot of the movie. Not bad, not bad. I need I need to elaborate on mine just a little more. Um, so basically, my idea you feel like was... I outshined you or something. No, 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 no. I just I just didn't get to you. Kind of cut me off because you're rude. No, you I'm just no, I'm just fucking with you. <clears throat> but anyways, what I was trying to get at is. Basically, you have this guy that is at one of those speed dating services and he's, you know, going, you know, from girl to girl to girl and shit like that. And and every time he does a 60 seconds, he's just totally rejected, you know, and, th- and this happens like, you know, 10 to 15 times because I want the body count to be really, really fucking high. And that's essentially that's, that's what like it is. Short film, honestly. Yeah. Like I mean, speed dating like slasher. Yeah, and so essentially he takes it out. He he gets offended that he's being rejected like 10, 15 times. And he, what does he do? He fucking goes out and hacks up all these girls. It's as simple as that. Death there by- you go, man. There you go. Uh, it's the, the beginning of the film is a speed dating. And this guy's just getting, like, he's he's obviously like an awkward, like, just sort yeah. of out there guy. Maybe well, like bottle coke, bottle bottle coke bottle glasses yeah people are not yeah he's he's just he's your typical like just lame ass dude and these like hot ass girls and and even maybe like some average ass girls are just like uh no and he's in the speed day and he remembers all their faces and then after it ends those are all of his victims sort of a la centerfold girls where he's like taking out each one ah there you go centerfold girls episode i have no idea look dude, we can we can do this all day hollywood just sign us the checks right now Honestly, ideas for i want to make this movie right now and i want to play this guy that's getting rejected all the time come on That'd dude be... that my, my fucking alien sucker movie that, that's that not i was i was very surprised that you went all sci-fi considering because considering i don't like movies like that yeah i was very very surprised by that you you shocked me uh yeah i do that from you, you shockered me <laughs> All right, so let's move on with the next voicemail. Here it is. Hi, guys. It's Shaggy here. Now, <laughs> Scoob and I have got some time away from the mystery machine. I was wondering, who are the best horror film monster costumes you've ever seen? Because, man, me and Scoob have seen quite a few. Uh, anyway. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so honestly, me like my favorite monster is probably Pumpkinhead. Like I love that design. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, that was actually the first thing that came to my mind too is Pumpkinhead. I think it's one of the greatest monster designs ever, to be honest. It really is. It's really simple, but yet just terrifying. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Pumpkinhead, like the original Pumpkinhead, not like some lame ass Pumpkinhead too. <laughs> yeah, Actually, you, like, you, according to some people that are 
you know, Pumpkinhead 2, isn't it like a 10 out of 10 film? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, obviously. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck, man. Honestly, one of my favorite ones of all time is, you know, just, you know, taking it back to the 50s is uh, The Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's so simple and it's just memorable. I just, I think it's more the film, though, too. It's not really a great design or anything, but. Are you talking about when he's all fat in part three? <laughs> when he's all fat, yeah, yeah. No, I just, I like, the, I love the creature's look. I think it's such a great. Yeah, look. I like the creature too. Creature's cool, <clears throat> but yeah, it's literally a dude in a suit, and it's it's awesome, you know. So it's definitely right. not pumpkinhead quality. Pumpkinhead is the best, <laughs> but so yeah, we but... agree on something. We actually agreed on something in the show. That's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. I mean, some people don't like when we agree, though. We've heard that before. Well, we, we still have, guys we still have two reviews later to get through, <clears> so. Oh yeah, and they're let's both not terrible. get ahead of ourselves. They're both terrible films. So, all right, so let's go ahead. We got one more voicemail. This one's from Rob. Hey guys, Rob from Georgia calling in. Hey, uh, quick uh, question. Uh, been thinking about it. Maybe I could uh, stir up a little uh, conversation with you guys uh, if you're all up for it. Um, question I, I raised on one of my last videos. I mentioned that um, you know I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of that movie Black. Um, but I'm not a fan when you buy a movie and there's no director commentary on it. You know, and I noticed, uh, just by kind of ab- uh, accident, uh, looking through the UK, uh, different things, I, uh, you know, I just happened to throw uh, Black Death in there. And uh, wouldn't you know it, on the uh, release, the UK release of the, of the film, there is a director commentary on that release, but not on the US release. And so I guess what I'm looking for is a little... Uh, uh, shop talk, a uh, little conversation about why that's so. If uh, there's anything you guys can add or uh, really discuss about this, how is it that you can get a distribution company that allows or is able to get a commentary by the director on a release, say, overseas, but over in the United States, they're unable to for whatever reason. And uh, just a little bit of the technicalities of, uh, uh, you know, just releasing films and how they're released, uh, whether it's in the UK, the United States, uh, or another region, for that matter. So, uh, but anyways, uh, just just a question I had, and uh, maybe that'll stir something up, a little uh, talk about that, and uh, now that I'm actually purchasing UK stuff, you know, I'm starting to see these things, and uh, uh, so, just curious. But uh, anyways, uh, you guys have an absolutely uh, a great week ahead, and I can't wait to hear the show. All right, so um, yeah, the, usually it works a few ways, honestly. I mean, so, like, so, let's yeah. say a company like Synapse is going to release a film that previously had a DVD release. Like, just take like the Am- well, shit, let's say Scream Factory, the Amityville Horror, since they released that film. Uh, so the Amityville Horror has been released a bunch of times, um, and normally, under most circumstances, uh, MGM owned the rights to Amityville, Scream Factory gets the licensing rights to do new special features. They usually have a budget depending on projected sales. So if they think they'll sell X amount of copies, they get X amount of money to spend on special features. If that X amount of money of uh, budget, uh, you know, mm-hmm. sold copies is lower, then they get less money. Higher projected, they get more money to spend on special features. And sometimes if they feel like they're taking a risk, they don't do any special features. Uh, and sometimes they load it up and, you know, one of the things is that 
normally when it comes to like a company like MGM, most of the previous releases they paid for the special features and they're they own them. So you can port those special features over. Sometimes people get mad because they're like, oh, this new release is coming out with like four new special features, but it doesn't have any of the old special features. Well, sometimes under certain situations, the people who produced the special features, like the, the people who like made them, like actually went out and like filmed them and stuff, actually end up retaining the rights to them. So they technically <clears throat> own them. So you can't just port it over. Uh, sometimes yeah. the studio does not retain those rights to the special features. It doesn't happen often, you know, it's not all the time, but, you know, especially with companies like MGM and stuff, but, but sometimes, like, for example, the next company, let's say in the future, a company called uh, JP and Moods' Horror Distribution Label uh, decides to pick up the Amityville films, and uh, somehow we scored a deal with MGM, and we, and we got the Amityville films. There's a high chance that those special features that were on the Scream Factory release, we won't have access to because those are sort of more like in-house produced uh, special features. Um, it is possible, depending on like how the contracts were and stuff, but it's not guaranteed. Um, also, so it's also with the UK. Like the UK has their own budgets for special features and stuff. Yeah, and I think um, so. If you have yeah, so dealing with older special features and things like that. That's the way it works. Um, so if you have a film come out, like a contemporary film, say like, you know, Black Death, say the UK release came out the exact same time as the American release. It's a brand new film. There's never been features for it ever. Um, the company that the reason why there's probably a commentary on the UK release is because they went out of their way and they they actually went and, uh, um, you know, basically paid to to do this commentary or to get that feature on there and things like that. So why though? But why? Yeah. Because different company, you know, I don't know who released. Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, it could be a number of things. It could be because there's a certain actor in it that sells well in the UK and the UK exactly. feels like they're, they'll sell more copies than the company yeah. in the U S could be yeah, that sure. the U S company is lazy and doesn't feel like they want to take any risk at all. The UK think company honestly, thinks that they might be able to sell more. So they take the risk. Yeah, exactly. So, so they basically they paid. The, that's their special feature, so they own that. And uh, the American uh, release comes out, and it doesn't have it because it's not their feature. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and sometimes, so, sometimes, honestly, sometimes, and I, I don't know how this goes. Like often, if like norm, like let's say I'm producing some special features on on a release for like Blue Underground or something, and. I, like it's my job to get these people and I, and I call up like Lucio Falci's daughter and I'm like, Hey, you know, we're doing this edition of zombie. Like you, you want to talk about your dad again? And she's like, like, I don't know if they're like, Hey, we'll give you a thousand dollars to talk about your dad or like, Hey, do you want to do it? And then if they're like, Oh yeah, but am I getting paid? Then they offer, like, I, I don't know if sometimes they get people for free or sometimes they pay them. Like they, they obviously pay people sometimes. But I would assume I with directors' commentaries, man. I mean, these releasing companies say if we were putting out, you know, Zombie, and we wanted to get like a new commentary from the daughter, uh, you know, obviously we're gonna we're gonna pay her to do that. Yeah, most of the time, I would I would you know, hope so at least. But I would say I, I feel like sometimes they don't. I don't know. I just I kind of felt like it was one of those things, and I think that's why certain companies have so many features and others, you know, they just don't because they obviously retain these rights and things like that. So. 
it comes down to. And I believe that when you do see a lot of these companies that re-release a film and they have all these ported over ones, they must be uh, basically purchase, purchasing them. I think a lot of that is happening, man. They're definitely, you know, you know, because the fans recognize. They recognize, like, why the fuck doesn't this have all those features, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, there's these reasons. But then at the end of the day, these companies probably also have to pay to port those over, too, because they're exclusive. These companies, they're a company. They're a company. They're going out of their way to create these features for their release. They're not, it's not exposed to. They're like, not going to be like, world. here, everybody take these now. Exactly. I'm not going <laughs> to pay for this shit and go, oh, well, Screen Factor's releasing this film too. I'll just kind of give it to them right now, even though we paid for it. It's kind of thing. You know, and sometimes the thing, it might be con- part of a contract too. Who knows? Maybe it's regional. You know, maybe you're doing features for a region. You know, who knows? But uh, I mean, I've actually heard of that happening too. The regional rights to these things and things is kind of strange. But uh, I think at the end of the day, it's the specific companies that are paying for these things and they're just not giving them up. Yeah, and sometimes they do. Sometimes you can mark out a deal or whatever. Um, one thing that I always, you know, I, I respect Rob and I, and I like his style because he does seem like a commentary guy. And I feel like sometimes I'm the only person that listens to commentaries. Granted, I don't listen to him as much as I used to, but I do listen to commentaries like fairly decent compared to most people. Like I never hear people talking about the commentaries. And it's it's sad because you really learn so much about the films from them, and you and there's so many stories that you would never know about unless you listen to the commentaries. Uh, so I, I like that about Rob, but I do feel like just in general, people don't really care about commentaries anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a big documentary person. Like if there's a release with any type of like you know full length feature or documentary, or whatever. Yeah, I'm watching that shit in a second. So. Yeah, there's as for, as for the commentaries, I find myself it depends what the film is. I've I've heard a couple really good ones, and I've heard some. I, honest to God, man, I think the last couple commentaries I've watched were just atrocious, man. I think I talked about uh, when I reviewed the uh, the Black Christmas Blu-ray uh, uh, Canadian uh, yeah. edition, and it has like all those. It, it, they of course ported over their uh, older commentaries, so I think the the Blu-ray release has like five different commentaries or something. But there is a new one from the killer from black Christmas in it. And it's really, really atrocious. He's just, he's not giving you any new information and he's more just ab living. Like, you know, there'll be a scene and he's like making sound effects and stuff. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this is like the worst thing ever. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was... I, I've been kind of hit and miss with my commentaries lately. Like the Dolomite one was really cool. Uh, and then one that I listened to two nights ago was decent. And then the one I listened to today was not. Uh, but it, the, the problem with commentaries is when you get a bad one, like you can't just be like, oh, this is going to be a bad one, so I'm gonna shut it off now. Like usually you have to listen to like 45 an hour long of it to realize like, oh, this is actually just gonna, never gonna get good. So, uh, <laughs> you know, like you can't just assume that it's gonna be bad because the first yeah. five minutes seem boring. So they are an investment. That's why I usually like to hear other people say like, hey, check out that commentary, check out this commentary. Um, but yeah, I mean, some sometimes like one of the things that annoys me is every release should have a fan commentary. Why the hell not? Get somebody who works for the company to talk about the movie. What the fuck? It's it's free. You, you're doing it free at that point. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Like when Adam Green and Joe Lynch did the Friday 4 commentary, the fan one, yeah, I thought that awesome. was awesome. And like even like when you hear like Rob G, you know, from the Killer POV podcast, yep. uh, now Shockwaves, they actually, they, they I forgot to tell you, Moons, but they disbanded from Geek Nation and they rebanded, branded. Uh, now they're called the Shockwaves Podcast, and 
they are it- going to be on the the first show on the newly launched Blumhouse Podcasting Network. Oh, is it is it the whole crew? Yeah, all three of them. Oh, that's fucking awesome! Because when you said they were, you know, they were the podcast was done, I was so saddened because <laughs> I didn't got that. I'm a few, I'm a little bit episodes behind. Yeah, me so. too. And I honestly think it was just a way to get out. Like they did that because they were dropping Geek Nation essentially as their host because they worked for Blumhouse and Blumhouse yeah, was yeah. launching a podcast network. Well, of course, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> you kind of have to, don't you feel yeah. obligated? <laughs> so, yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. So I uh, hope that answered your question, Rob. Yeah. And that. Yeah. That is the voicemails. That was a good question. Yep. Good stuff, man. All right. So, yeah. Do we got knowledge this week? No. No knowledge. Not, Not this week. See, apparently we don't prepare for the show whatsoever. <laughs> so we just kind of go into this blind and just kind of do things. And We're that good, man. We're that good. <laughs> exactly, right? Um, yeah, I guess we'll get into the... Uh, the coroner's report, courtesy of Rue Morgue, uh, the weird stats and morbid facts coming from this month's issue, 166, May of 2016. And this is, of course, the one with uh, with Phantasm doing the cover. Uh, yeah, with Angus Scrim on there. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, yeah, I just fucking I was I've, I've been seeing everybody posting this magazine. So I think a lot of people have actually picked this up, which is good. That's really good that people are, you know, supporting room work. I think it's also a little bit to do with maybe the horror block or whatever, because you get them in there. So, uh, but anyways, I'm going to do this one just because I've been watching a little bit of his films lately. And uh, yeah, filmmaker, Larry Fedestinen, uh, however you want to pronounce his name. Uh, it's fascination with the mythical Wendigo creature, which has been featured in several of his movies began in part when his mother creeped him out with Wendigo sounds when he was a child. <laughs> the first thing I could think of when I read that, I was like, poor little fucking uh, Larry trying to go to sleep. And um, <laughs> his mom was like, you know, in his closet making Wendigo sounds. It's pretty awesome stuff. <laughs> Speaking of Larry Fessenden, people want us to do a Larry Fessenden director spot as well. I, there's something about that name, Fessenden. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, he's just a very intriguing uh, director, and I think that would be a good show, man. You know, yeah, show- I've actually not watched any of his films, but I own that box set. Oh, dude, Habit, man, fuck. I, so uh, first time I watched, it's great. It's good stuff. Oh, by the way, Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Even though this is a post later. <laughs> Happy Cinco de Mayo today when we're recording. That's how prepared we are right there. Um, (laughs) And also, fucking the Sharks and Predators are going into overtime three, triple overtime and shit. Sharks, man. Predators. Jesus Christ, man. Preds in the second round. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy stuff. But go Pens, right? Go Pens. Yes. Up 3-1. Up 3-1. Because I'm I'm actually a I'm a Pens fan because Sydney's my boy, and uh, I, I just, yeah, yeah. I, I want to see them take out fucking Capitals, you know, Presidents Trophy winners. They never seem to fucking win the Stanley Cup. It's awesome. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, a lot of people thought that that game, uh, what was it, uh, Game Four? Yeah. A lot of people thought we was not losing that one. Mm-hmm. Like the odds was like four to one. But uh, yeah, oh. so uh, awesome. Let's keep going, Penguins, and uh, let's move on. Alrighty, so getting into the what we watch portion of the show, the WW portion of the show. And, of course, that is where we just go round tree, talk about some films, give a rating, and uh, move along. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to go first this week, JP? Sure. Uh, the first thing that I'm going to talk about is uh, 
probably alluded to earlier in the show. It is Scream, the first season from 2015. Uh, of course, like Moon said, coming to us courtesy of Anchor Bay. Um, I was actually pretty stoked to to get the DVD set because it, it kind of forced me to watch it. I, I binge watched it in like two days. Uh, I had already seen the first four seasons, four episodes, which you guys who have followed the show for a while probably know that because I, I kind of updated weekly for like the first four weeks. And I kind of was very lukewarm on it. Like I, I, I think I was like sitting at about a five out of ten during those first episodes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Moods did his review recently as well. Uh, but I, I, I kind of fell in like with it a little bit you know what i mean like i i was kind of just you know right when i continued on from where i was i was like okay like i don't know like these these characters are all kind of lame and like that the acting feels a little off and stuff but then i was like i actually started to like the characters um the lead character uh emma uh, I don't know who the actress is. Something Fitzgerald, I believe. Yeah. Uh, she um, was good. Like I actually started liking her. I was like, okay, this is like a pretty cool final girl. Like I, I'm down with her. She's she's all right. Like she has this kind of like soft spoken like style to her. Um, and then I started to like the like bi chick, the Audrey character, and the Noah dude, who's like the smart like tech geeky guy who like knows all the references and stuff. Uh, I felt like the references sort of calmed down midway through the season and later through the season. Uh, there was a lot of throwaway characters, a lot of red herrings, and you know, if if anything, like you, a know, lot. The, there's tons. Yes, I, I like, swear they tons. do it like yeah, yeah like every tons. episode. Yeah. Um, but it, when you think about it, it makes sense because it's a long format slasher. Uh, you you like you know, but yeah. the problem with that is you as the audience knows that they're a red herring and they're not the killer. Yeah. So then it becomes like, okay, what's the point? But then I've kind of, like, after a few of them, I kind of understood the point. And it's like, okay, the point of these is at least to kind of showcase the characters going through these, like, emotional things and a little bit of character development. And usually whenever somebody is a red herring, you learn their backstory a little bit more. You learn what they're tied in a little bit more, like what they had. So, like, more truth comes out. Uh, usually when these characters are like kind of the accused uh so i kind of like that i did feel like at the end of the day like when everything was revealed i was like huh (laughs) you know it was a little lukewarm um i thought that the way that it was revealed was like super fucking lame yeah Uh, yeah themselves i thought i okay i didn't think they was a great killer but i i thought that they surprised me like I, I didn't i didn't call a killer did you i didn't ask you did you did you know who it was no I, I think i think i said in my review i had no idea who the killer was yeah so i give him props for that at least but yeah but the uh, reveal was fucking terrible yeah yeah it, it was, was probably it was the awful. worst part of the show honestly <laughs> it was pretty bad it, it actually dropped my rating significantly because i i was like kind of high on it until then um you know and and, and there's just i don't know it, like it's it's so convoluted in the way that everything's connected and this person was doing this and this person was doing this behind this person's back and this person was double twined and twined with this person and their backstory and their boyfriend and their ex-boyfriend. And, you know, it's all like way too much. But at the same time, you just kind of have to expect that with a, with like a Scream TV series, um, this long format. Like the elevated technology in it too. I Which thought I, I didn't I, actually hate too much because that's like kind of how like – it is well, now a little bit. No, it, it's very, very modern, but it, you know, it kind of adds that, you know, that contemporary dynamic to it, where you're like expecting it. But it, it there is a lot though. 
of like yeah. technological things that are in it. And I just felt like yeah, you know, some of it was a little like just tongue in cheek, like oh, like this, like oh, we uploaded the thing and it just sent it out to everybody. Like that seems a little lame and fake. No, right? it, it completely because I mean we do that shit all the time and it that it doesn't work like that, yeah. you know it just doesn't work. And I'm like, it's kind of like how we've talked about you know like when you're watching a film and you see somebody talking on some type of messenger thing and it's like a completely fake one yeah, you know, yeah. that's it's kind of like that, that kind yeah. of really, yeah <laughs> yeah they took it they took it a little too far in certain scenes and stuff yeah. like that yeah, uh but you know it's 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 not the worst show ever for sure i actually like it like oh, i'm, I'm curious not. to see season two uh it could be better it could be miles better and I think one of my main beefs with it is the fact that it's it's literally not Scream. Like, like it's it, it has nothing to do with the original series, which I just it makes me mad because it's like, why couldn't they like why couldn't Billy fucking James or whoever his name be like uh, like fucking Skeet Ulrich's character? So like, why couldn't they just base it around them? They don't have to have them in the show or anything. Just yeah. fucking base it. Just have su- or at least some reference. Like I didn't like the fact that it, it literally does. It literally like acts like the original doesn't exist. It does not acknowledge the original at all. I don't think they ever do. Do they one time acknowledge the original series? I don't think they do. Um, phew, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I don't know. I don't think. I so. I mean, it's not even the same town. No, no. I think I think that they do. There is like one little kind of poke at the original i can't remember what it is it's very much in passing though oh i think it's, I, I think it's, it's just like there's like one kind of subtle line and you're like is it, oh, isn't oh. it like kind of a diss almost i think it's like a diss it could be i i remember but i can't remember what the line is but i remember going oh that was uh, I, it was something like what is this 1996 or something like that. i think it was something like that <laughs> yeah it was totally oh okay i get that that was the year scream came out ah, you yeah. clever. <laughs> no but i like stuff like i like references like that i just i it just annoys me that the show had nothing to do with the original scream like i think there's room to do that i am curious to see where it goes because like what the fuck are they going to do with season two like i I don't know but um i gave it a 6.5 out of 10 which was a point and a half higher than moons which you know i I was shocked by your six and a half i was like holy crap man but you know, I mean, yeah, it's 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 not a terrible series by any means, but I started to really like the lead, the Emma Duvall. Yeah, yeah, she's like, good. I actually really liked her. I, she's she's a, good. She's like cute. I have the same kind of notions, you know, leaning towards season two. I'm kind of going, what are they going to do with this? You know, I'm really curious to see what they do. Yeah. Because I mean, just the way it ended, and you're going, okay, well, you kind of have to pretty much develop something different and new and i don't know it's weird it's weird i'm really curious to see what they do so i'm definitely gonna be checking out i mean i kind of have to because i already started this roller coaster ride (laughs) you know there's no getting off now you know this isn't uh this isn't final destination (laughs) three or maybe is it (laughs) i don't know but uh yeah six and a half damn dude you fucking shocked me i was watching a review of that and i was like whoa Whoa! <laughs> I kind of did that. I was like, "Shit!" I thought you were gonna give it like a five and a half or a six or something, but yeah. All right. So moving into my first one here is a film I've seen before, and I just I got in one, I got in one of those moods where I just really wanted to revisit something that I hadn't seen in a while because I couldn't quite remember the film, and that happens because I'm getting old and my memory is shit. Right. Um. But this one is uh, from 1991, and it's from my favorite director. 
my hor- my favorite horror director of all time. And unfortunately, this was actually his last film that he ever directed. And it's called Door into Silence. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. I was, I was watching this film and I look over and the wife's snoring. And uh, <laughs> afterwards, she's like, that shit was boring as hell. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But anyways, um, basically, this one is about a, a character named uh, Melvin Devereaux. And he is just, I believe that he was in New Orleans. He went to go to New Orleans to see his, uh, to visit his father's grave. Anyways, he's on his way back to, I believe, Baton Rouge or something like that. Anyways, he, uh, he runs into some construction on the roads and on the main roads. So he decides, he's like, well, fuck, I need to get home. So I'm just gonna, I've got a map here. I'm just going to take the side roads, you know, and find a different exit out to home. So he does that. He kind of you know, goes on his way. And basically what happens is he kind of, you know, he runs into this like really mysterious women and all this, she says a bunch of really crazy weird shit. And uh, he continues driving and, and f- very oddly he runs into this. Uh, he kind of has this confrontation on the road with this hearse. He tries to pass this hearse and the hearse will not let him pass. And so he kind of turns into this kind of like this road horror thing. Anyways, one thing leads to another. He runs into this woman again and he runs into all these weird characters and things like that. And he runs into the hearse again upon, you know, viewing this thing a little bit closer. He he notices that on the hearse there is a his name is on there. And then, yeah, you got your film right there. So um, this is a very, very strange and unique film by Lucio Fulci because if you're familiar with Fulci's work, um, when you think of Lucio Fulci, you think of like, you know, gore, you know, gore effects, you know, the the Gates of Hell trilogy, you know, things like that. Zombie and all his fantastic GLs. This one right here is completely different. It's like got pretty much no budget. It's pretty much set all on the road following this one character who just comes into all these really kind of strange situations and things like that. And uh, it's just it's a really, really bizarre watch. It has this odd kind of pacing to it. It feels really slow and maybe at times it's a little boring, um, but it has this odd impeccable atmosphere to the film. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because he said it in uh, Louisiana again, you know, driving in the bayou and things like that. And it's just, it, the scenery is really cool, but it's a very strange film because it's not typical Lucia Fulci at all. The The storyline seems pretty straightforward. Of course, there is obviously twists and turns in it and things like that. There's no blood and gore whatsoever in the entire film. It's just based upon, you know, this kind of like this very minuscule story and these odd characters and just atmosphere. It's it's really, really strange. Uh, I can't really say a whole lot more about the film because I don't really want to ruin anything. But, you know, this one I'm going to say definitely is not for everybody. If you don't like slow burns, uh, if you don't like films that are, you know, kind of boring, you know, but, you know, oddly entertaining. I don't know. I don't really know how to explain this film. It's one of the most oddball Fulci films that are out there. I mean, and of course, he's got some weird films. But uh, this one, yeah, not for everybody. But I really enjoy it, man. I think the twists and turns in it are kind of cool. Um, you know, some I've heard some people say that, you know, it's a little predictable. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. For me, it works. Not the greatest film in the world. I'm going to give it about a six and a half out of ten. I can't really say a whole lot more about this one. So, But definitely check out Door in the Darkness, man. It's... um. You know, it's Fulci's last film, and it's uh, I, I, I don't think it's his worst film by any means. So, yeah, check it out. 
All right. Uh, next up for me, uh, this is uh, it's actually the last one that I have, Moods. It's it's going to be my uh, segment. It's an avoid of the week. I haven't pulled out one of these in a while. Uh, not a pick of the week. It is a avoid of the week. And it is Fever Lake from 1996. Have you seen this, Moods? Fever Lake. I have not seen that one. Okay, so this stars Corey Haim. Which is interesting. I was interested. I was like, wow, how have I never heard this movie? A horror movie with Corey Haim in it? I figured like everybody would be talking about this. Yeah, there's a reason why they're not. Um, so it follows... Uh, it opens up like... this. First of all, this film is so fucking cliche. Like It, it opens <laughs> up on like a dark stormy night where there's like a young boy and a mom who like watches in an attic and like they're murdered by... The mother is murdered by a guy. Most likely it's the father... And uh, we see the kid is, like, possessed by sort of, like, a force. And then, you know, it cuts years later to kids in, it's like high school or college. I think I think it, it looked more college but could be high school. Who the fuck knows? Uh, and we're follow, following Corey Haim and fucking Mario Lopez. So um, you got two people in here that are familiar. And uh, they basically talk about that they have, like, this country home, like, up at Fever Lake. Go figure. Fever Lake. And uh, they have, um, they have the, you know, trio of uh, sexy girls coming up with them. They're all, like, friends and shit. And, you know, they have to go up for the weekend. Like, it's literally the setup of every fucking ever horror film you ever heard of. Uh, so they go up to this house. And, of course, all the townsfolk are like, oh, you shouldn't go up to Fever Lake. And there's bad stuff up there. Like, there's an old Indian guy who's, like, in the town who's, like, warns him of the evil. Of, and, like, he's a doomsayer. Like, it's literally, like, everything that you've ever heard of and seen. There's no surprises at all. There's, like, a sheriff. And, like, then, you know, the weird shit starts happening. Their cars are acting odd. And fucking they go on footsteps to here and go down here and in the woods they're being chased different random shit that happens in horror movies and then they find out more stuff and there's exposition scenes and it all kind of culminates with like a lame ending it's like uh cheating as hell by writers um which (laughs) yeah dude it's it's not good i mean like besides seeing like Corey haim and like just it like it, it, it like you almost want like I like '90s stuff so like there's certain like the style like I was digging like I was like oh like look at these clothes and the hairs and you know they, like they like it looks fun to go hang out with these girls up at this lake and stuff but it's just it's fucking lame it's just a lame movie I give it a three out of ten. <laughs> three out of ten. Yeah, it's a '96 one. Make sure you watch it for the. Uh, shit. No, no, I know it's a '96 one. I was gonna pick it up. I was gonna pick it up, and it's still sitting in my cart. I didn't grab it yet, but <laughs> it's. I think it's it's pretty cheap. It's pretty inviting, man. Three out of ten. I have to say, man, I'm I'm pretty excited about it now. So that was your avoid of the week. So I guess I'm doing one more here. Okay, um, gotta change up my shit here. Gotta grab this one. All right, so. This one right here, uh, actually, this is a VHS that I watched. Um, so if you guys watch my update le- recently, you know what I'm going to be talking about here. But uh, this is one that doesn't have a DVD or Blu-ray release, so I'm like, got to go after the VHS. Um, and this is, a, of course, my Italian stallion of the week um, from 1982, and it's called Bloodlink. Now, this is an Italian-directed uh, film uh Basically shot in America, I think, is what they did, and in in Europe and stuff like that. So it's an Italian film with American actors, like Mike, Michael Moriarty stars in this film as a dual character. But it's called Bloodlink from 1982. 
this is a pretty interesting film. Um, basically, uh, Michael Moriarty plays two different characters called Keith Manning and Craig Manning. Um, one of the characters is a doctor in America. And uh, he starts having these crazy visions of uh, like these murders and things like that. And they seem all too real to him. And uh, he does know that he, you know, he apparently was born with a uh, uh, with he was born as as a Siamese twin and they were separated. And of course, his Siamese twin brother was killed or apparently killed in a fire when he was 17 years old. So but anyways, he starts having these visions like these really odd visions of these murders, his girlfriend getting murdered and things like that. Then he starts having these odd visions of people getting killed that he doesn't really know and things. So he starts to get this kind of this hunch that maybe, maybe his brother's alive and he's, you know, he's seeing things through his eyes. So he travels to, he travels to Germany to find his brother. He finds out that he's actually alive. And, um, so he travels to Germany to, you know, to basically, you know, see what the hell is going on, if, if this is actually true and stuff and stop the murders and whatnot's going on. And, uh, yeah. And then carnage ensues. So it's basically the setup to the film. Uh, now my thoughts on this one, again, this one is a really kind of slow burn. Um, not really that atmospheric film. I think the, I think Michael Moriarty does a great job as, you know, playing dual roles in this. He's, he plays the characters like so kind of subtle and almost, I think some people would be like, ah, his acting's not the greatest and stuff, but I think he pulls it off quite well, you know, to kind of differentiate between the two characters. You know, you got this normal doctor and you got this kind of psychotic, well, potentially psychotic. Well, of course he's psychotic, uh, you know, a Siamese twin that's living in Germany and, you know, knocking people off one by one. Um, but you know, it's not a bad film though. I, you know, it's a little slow, like I said, but, uh, it's got some pretty decent kills. It's a little cliched though. At times, you know, you kind of see these moments kind of developing and you you kind of see these things kind of, they're going to happen. They're going to happen. And they most likely do, uh, you know, the end of the film, in my opinion, you know, not really the greatest <laughs> either, but the one thing that drives this film amazingly is, uh, Amoni Marconi's, uh, uh, score in this film you know most recently just won a a uh an oscar for his um his score for uh the hateful eight you know which he's done like fuck, he's done scores for like a million different italian films but it oddly enough he gets recognized like this late in his career <laughs> it's kind of funny he's like 80 years old but anyways he actually does a score for this bloodling film too which is pretty interesting but this is another one of those films you don't really want to say a whole lot about. I don't want to give any scenes away and things like that, but uh, not a bad film. I'm going to give this one exactly the same thing as um, Door into Darkness, six and a half out of ten. It's not a bad watch. It's um, it's a pretty quick one. Uh, it's okay. You know, if you come across it, pick it up. So getting into the featured reviews here on episode 81. Uh, yeah, the anthology extravaganza. <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, guys, we didn't really... There's no, like, common idea behind these we just picked two random i mean both of them are released by screen factory and both of them were potentially going to be tv shows at one point but that's all just coincidental <laughs> like we just actually, randomly picked these 100 <laughs> percent coincidental man that was not planned whatsoever um but it worked though it yeah works. it worked out it worked out yeah so well, we first will up return sorry we will return to anthologies again because there's plenty more i want to talk about oh yeah there's like a million of them but yeah so you know First up here from 1983 is, of course, Nightmares. Yeah, the the almost TV pilot that wasn't picked up because it was deemed too violent. Is it too violent? <laughs> so 
Um, interesting enough about nightmares is is like Moon says it, it initially was. See, apparently, I was listening to the commentary before we get into the film. I was listening to the commentary, and the 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 producer said that he was asked a question about apparently this show was originally for a long time thought to be uh pre-recorded segments that were gonna be on an anthology tv series called dark room and then uh were later used to make a movie instead he's i i don't think that's the case i think the show was originally just created and became uh you know, its life was to be an anthology series on uh, NBC, uh, but became a theatrical film. So it's like, it's kind of like a rumor and then like a truth. The rumor was that it was for already existing anthology show and they just turn it into a feature film. But the real truth is it was supposed to be a new anthology show uh, yeah. and it turned into a feature film. It uh, cost $9 million and it only made $6 million and six hundred thousand back. <laughs> so lost. I bet, I, lost I, bet, well, I bet. I bet you now. You know, with the anchor base sales for the DVD. I bet, you know. I bet you it's done better now. You know. Yeah. Total wise, anyways. But yeah, nightmares from nineteen eighty three. Uh, it's literally just uh, an anthology with four shorts. There's no connecting yeah. wraparound story. It's so just four short stories. We did have a conversation about that a while ago, Moods, and I believe you were saying that like. To you, an anthology, a true anthology, needs a wraparound. Do you still feel that way? Uh, I, I mean, I do and I don't. I mean, I, you know, from personal preference, I prefer uh, the the kind of connecting. You know, even if the wraparound story isn't, you know, connecting everything, just to have those minor interludes, like a guide, like even you know, like, like the theater bazaar, where it's just like a weird theater thing that exactly. happens in the middle. Because it kind of gives it – it's like the bond that connects everything. Even if it necessarily doesn't connect it properly, it's still there. It, it's it's called effort to me. You know, it's it's like a guide. It's like a host. It's like an unnamed host. Yeah, it's to, it's almost like, okay, am I watching a movie or am I watching four short films? Exactly. And personally, I mean, we'll get to body bags. But, of course, that one does have, you know, a, a wraparound. wraparound. You know, and things like that. So, uh, and that's what really separates these two anthologies. This and, one completely doesn't, and that one does. And, you know, I, I prefer, you know, to see that wraparound in there because I just find it's it's kind of this, it's a binding mechanism to the to the shorts. Here you, you go, Moods. You have a science lab in which they have a person hooked up to a machine as they sleep, and there you go. These, those are the segments. And then you go to the next person hooked up to the machine. And exactly. it's called nightmares, right? So it's like that you could have literally filmed like a 10-minute thing and split it up between the, the shorts. So I agree. It's lazy to not have a wraparound. I mean you could even have a bunch of like – you know, people sitting around in a, you know, one of those uh, talk groups or something like that. And they're oh, sharing, you know, yeah. they're even sharing their, their deepest, darkest fears. And maybe, you know, maybe they're, you know, not to get too cliche, but, you know, urban legends and stuff, which the first one. Oh, I got one. I got one. In Nightmares could be based off an urban legend because that's kind of what it turns out to be. So here's one. It's a bunch of people sitting in a waiting room to like a DMV or something. You know what I mean? Yep. Like the the most hellish place ever. And <laughs> you have these people and like it, the camera will like go and like they, they start, you know, one falls asleep or something. And she has the dream of the Terran Topega. And then, 
you know, after that, another one's sleeping or something. And and it goes through all the stories. Then you find out they're actually waiting in line to hell. Boom. You know what? There's your twist ending and everything. That fucking storyline, that exact wraparound has been done in an anthology called Chillers. Oh, are you serious? I've never I seen shit, that. I swear I shit you not, man. That. It's a bunch of people. Okay, get this. It's a bunch of people sitting around in a bus station and they're telling their stories and it turns out that they're waiting in line to to jump aboard the bus to hell. Oh, that's great. Okay, so I'm not that creative. <laughs> but it's but still, it's drive. better than nothing. Well, you came up with something that's exactly been done, though. <laughs> Mine was the DMB, damn it. it. It's so close, though. It's so close. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, but yeah, the first shortened nightmare is called Terra, Terror in Topanga. Um... Which is basically about a convicted killer. He escapes from a mental institution and, of course, is now on the loose in L.A. And then, you know, the story is about this this lady. Um, she needs some cigarettes. It's late at night. And she decides to go out. Against knowing, her husband's will. Against her husband's will, knowing that there is this killer out there uh, to the store to grab her cigarettes. And, uh, yeah, then you got your story. Yeah, and essentially, I mean... She believes she sees the killer at one point, and you know that's kind of where the story can go. And you know, it's it's where the reveal, there's reveals in in anthologies. Um, so yeah, this one's a very simple story. It, I found it weird that like she was so like just in need of these cigarettes, and like it, it was like a, they really focused on the cigarettes. Like oh I, no, I they show like, her rummaging through like old packs, and she's like she finds like some fucked up smokes, and she's like ah oh, ah. Oh. <laughs> It's like, I need my nicotine. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's how some people are, though. I mean, yeah, but I feel like they could have maybe thought of like a different reason why she had to leave. So it didn't seem as lame. But she she even says, though, she's like, well, we need milk for uh, for breakfast in the morning. It's like, that's not really that essential. <laughs> you yeah. know, you could live without it. So, you know, it's the same with cigarettes. But, yeah, it, this, it happens. This, you know, this is your classic. Like this story, this story in particular has been done a bunch of times. This is the urban legend. Yeah. You know. It's a very typical urban legend type story uh, that uh, I think the way they executed the gas station scene in this one was actually really interesting. I mean, I think it's actually pretty cool, man. I mean, nobody would probably react like that. Well, maybe they would. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when she's getting filled, she's getting filled up with gas and then, you know, something yeah, well, happens. The, the, the guy fits the, the, the guy is the killer, essentially. You know, like he looks just like the killer um the the description you know what i mean exactly i mean that's what they tell you that's what you're led to believe you know this guy filling up and and they really kind of get to the nitty-gritty of it too like the window's only down like a millimeter and she's trying to shove the the money through the top of it to pay for (laughs) yeah her fuel and it's just like oh my god okay any minute this guy's gonna fuck her up and then yeah Yeah. by the way guys we're gonna try really hard not to spoil these but they're yeah these short Yeah, these will be really, really short. They're really hard, but honestly, man, I think this. Uh, I think this short is like, it's pretty good. It's I a think good it's- open for sure. Because you know they, they even used it in another sort of opening in Urban Legend. It's the same story. Yeah. Uh, you know the first Urban Legend film, right? Yep. Yeah, it's the same story essentially, yep. slightly different. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought it was a nice setup. I mean, I didn't ex- like if this was like your main story in the film, I would be disappointed. You know, but like as an opener, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. No, I think it's a great opener, man. And I mean, honestly, the the opening scene in this sh- 
in this uh, short is pretty cool, man. It's pretty eerie with the cop on the road and, you know, something happens to him and things like that. I think it's actually a pretty good atmospheric scene. It's shot well. And yeah, it's, it's, it's probably the most atmospheric out of all of them. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I'm a big fan of that. You know, atmosphere goes a long way with me. Yeah. I, I just really look for that in horror films because that shit's creepy, man. I want to be on out in some fucking road, you know, at night. I don't know. It just works. Yeah. It just works, man. But of course, you know, this one does have its minor cliches, you know, because we were talking about the, the, uh, you know, the gas station scene, but of course leading up to that, she's literally like running out of gas. <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, I don't know how many movies did it before this one. This could have been the first one. 83 is pretty early. Mm-hmm. So you can't, can't like really take too much away from it for pulling off the first urban legend potentially you know what i mean like the first story the first adaptation of that story yeah i mean you know come to think of it, i can't think of too many you know urban legend stories that were that were done before this but <clears throat> i mean i'm sure there is i'd probably have to just dig so, down yeah uh got anything else on that one gas attendant played by william sanderson fucking awesome Dude, so he's so awesome, man. Of course, from Fight for Your Life and many, many other films, man. <laughs> Fight for Your Life, probably the most racist film ever made. But uh, no, I, I really, I really dig this um, this short, man. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, Moods, another familiar actor actor that you might recognize is in the second segment, which is the Bishop of Battle. Yeah. Uh, young J.J. Cooney, played by. Emilio Estevez. It is so cool to see Emilio Estevez, and he's all like young and shit. Yeah, uh, man, he <laughs> looks like a little. He looks like a kid in this. It's it's totally awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, like I've always been a fan of Emilio Estevez, and I've always wished he like did more. You know what I mean? I know. Um, I know. But you know, this was this was right the same year as The Outsiders, which he looks way older than The Outsiders, though. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's obviously playing somebody who should, who's supposed to be more mature in The Outsiders and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but The Outsiders is a fantastic movie. Uh, Nightmares. You got uh, young J.J. Cooney, who's like a video game wizard. This guy loves to play his arcade games. Him and his boy, uh, Zock, uh, <laughs> actually goes to a arcade where you know they decide to kind of hustle the local crew there that's, I guess, supposed to be Mexican. Because they keep saying essay a lot. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah, those vatos locos over there. <laughs> yeah, so he goes, uh, you know, everybody who knows, like, anything about, like, the, the traditional hustle, uh, you know, the con, you go in, you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you start losing. Like, hey, uh, let's, uh, let's play for some money. And you're like, okay, I guess. And then you're like, oh, let's, uh, you know, since you beat me six times in a row, how about we play for quadruple the money? <laughs> but they pull it off so well because his buddy's like, man, JJ, we got to go. We got to go, man. Yeah. He's yeah, like, yo, they, man. They he's like, do a good job. He's, he's like, yo, man. My buddy, he really wants to go, so we got to make this quick. So let's up, up the ante. Yeah, you know, I think, I think that works. So and, it, and then you got this call. little ass Mexican kid, allegedly, who's, uh, you know, this small and has this little bandana on. He's like, hey, yo, come here. He's like, I know this kid. This kid is the best. This kid is the best in town. <laughs> no, he said he's the best that ever lived. He's the best that ever lived. He's hustling you, man. It's just like little ass, like ten year old who's like yeah. knows this. It's funny. He's like, "What are you doing this to me?" I say, and then he's yeah. like, they bounce out of there. And the whole point of that was to get some money so that JJ could go play his new obsession, which is this video game called The Bishop of Battle. Yeah. And this video game apparently is just you know you know obviously it looks like shit today but but in the story it's supposed to be this like cutting edge shit 
and uh you know apparently there's it's not even that though it's the fact that like it's supposed to be like the hardest game too. like oh man and and they really kind of showcase that too and they're like oh man i heard some kid out in jersey made it to level 13 twice man it's like but it it kind of reminds you it it kind of grounds you in like old school ways where it's like I remember back in the days, like, even like in the nineties, like you, you don't know, like you couldn't just look up on the internet, like, oh, what's the thirteenth level? Like somebody in Jersey exactly. did it. Like so, you only had these like urban legends and these like myths of like, oh, you know, I heard it, or my cousin's cousin's yeah. cousin's friend uh, over in Phoenix said that with Sub Zero, you can uh, you can turn their body into ice and eat it or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just it, it's just Yo, you don't know. You can't disprove it because it's that's, like so simple way, back then. That's the way we used to talk back in the day. Yeah. Man. You, always, you always knew some kid that knew some kid that like did yeah, some shit. Like, you know? Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. <laughs> exactly, man. Like and they literally say it a couple times in there too. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, this kid out in Jersey, or heard some kid out in yeah. Jersey made it there twice, and and it's so realistic because that's and exactly what it was. Know, like, because one of the kids like the thirteenth level don't even exist, man. It's just to get your money, and yeah. it's like which could be true because you know what, the internet doesn't exist. Because like but now you could like just look it up. You could li- literally just look it up. It's funny how they allude at all the facts so well in that, and it's kind of it's kind of true to the times and everything. And it's like. I mean, you know, some kids would be like, yeah, man, you know, that kid out in Jersey and like, no, they're, they're just trying to get your money. And that's exactly how we used to talk. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's awesome. I, it's th- this, this little segment is a hundred percent a time capsule. I, I oh, love that about it. So, I love it, man. Just seeing the video arcades. Oh, fuck. I miss those yeah, things so yeah, much. And that it's, arcade it's, that they go cool to is laid see. out. And so yeah. essentially Emilio Estevez just goes there and everybody knows him as like, oh, he's a god. Like, so they all surround him while he's playing and shit. Of course, he doesn't make it to the 13th level and uh, it's closing time. But his character is the typical character where it's like he can't get enough. Like he's obsessed. So he has to stay. And everybody's like, no, well, it's literally changed his life. You know, yeah. his, his life revolves around beating this game and he even stresses in there, which I think is pretty interesting in such a short that they managed to accomplish everything you know yeah they really do they really do because he you know he says to his dad he's like yo he's like man i'm gonna beat this i'm gonna beat this and i'm never gonna play video games again you know so and it's like exactly what kids say they say shit like that well modes i actually what's very interesting is you can literally take the video game out of this and replace it with heroin and it works just the same. Like, oh, yeah, I've definitely. I've literally literally have heard like people that I I grew up with who are now drug addicts say like like oh I'm just going out this one last time I'm I'm gonna get all this I'm gonna get I'm gonna, all out of my system and then I'm, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go to class I'm gonna like he's literally saying that <laughs> I'm gonna capture the dragon this time man I'm gonna totally catch the dragon man <laughs> yeah so <laughs> you know? I mean what he's saying is you know he just has to do this one thing this one time and then once he does it he'll be back to doing the right things he'll bring his grades up in it like so it's it's literally could be a metaphor for drugs so i know i don't know if the people thought of that when they created it or not i honestly don't think they were going as far to like metaphorically you know to have metaphors in this i think it was just literally about you know the obsession with i mean i mean you could just you you can kind of put it in this place into anything right Mm -hmm. it does but uh so anyway jj sneaks out of the house because he gets grounded which by the way he's kind of like a little little dickhead like <laughs> he's being ridiculous <laughs> to his parents okay. but he sneaks out he breaks into the uh, arcade and he plays the game kind of uh that's when you find out what the 13th level is and um that's kind of the short right there uh, i actually really like this one you know for, for its time capsule nature uh for emilio estevez um it's a really neat segment 
it, it it's one you know it's dated as hell like it's it's really dated the effects and the and the uh, visuals are really dated. Oh yeah, the the fucking. But 80s it kind of adds to the charm of it. The '80s neon effects and like those whatever the hell kind of effects that they do, but it's like it's just all that neon color. <laughs> you know, it's like so fucking '80s. Yeah. I love that man. I love that about this one. But it's yeah, it's a total time capsule piece and it's just awesome to watch man and i love the fact that they use like a punk soundtrack because you know punk music was all about rebellion and that's exactly what jj was doing he was rebelling against his parents and you know in society he didn't really give a shit about anything and you know it's awesome that he's he wears the headphones and bumps that punk music and shit like that and it's just it feels appropriate it feels mm-hmm. appropriate everything that they did they accomplished in the short i think it's a good one I yeah think it's a really sure. good one all right, so the next one is The Benediction. The Benediction starring our boy Lance Hendrickson who plays a priest who has basically kind of lost his faith or at least – well, he's questioned his faith and you know ultimately loses his faith because of certain events that has happened. Um, you know, you can tell he's been on the verge of it for a while but there's a certain event that makes him kind of give up the, uh, the whole priesthood thing. Uh, a little boy gets shot and he ultimately just says, fuck it, I'm, I'm done with this shit. Mm-hmm. There can't be any God because, you know, no God would kill this little, this little innocent boy. And so he packs up everything he, uh, that he owns. He jumps in his car and he basically says to the clergy or whatever, he says, you know, man, I'm going to, I got like $70 in my pocket. I'm going to drive until I run out of gas and then I'm going to find a job. So he's going there to find himself. But, you know, <laughs> this one right here doesn't really work out too well for him because he comes across some um, some mean-spirited uh trucks I guess, yeah. on the road like a big four by four thing mean-spirited uh, that's kind of funny but yeah. um but yeah so ultimately gets in this battle with this truck and and then you got your short right there what did you think of this one i actually i like this one i would like to see a little bit more of this you know i find this one is just there's there's a little bit almost too much setup to it and then the payoff in my opinion is just not the greatest in my opinion but i still i really enjoy this i think i think some of the effects with the trucks you know coming out of the ground and things like that i think they're really cool actually you know the whole idea of him losing his faith and things like that because people have this they come to this conclusion all the time i think it's uh, realistic you know it's definitely realistic even for people in his position and power um but uh i don't know man i i just this one, I like this one, actually, you know, quite a bit. But I just, I just want to see more, man. Something yeah, like- I, I felt like this one had potential. Yeah. And if, if like, obviously you got Lance Henriksen in there, I was instantly getting like Pumpkinhead vibes with the, you know, death of the young boy and stuff like that. Because yeah. Lance Henriksen kills it in Pumpkinhead with with that emotional breakdown and just terrible thing that happened in there. Um, but I, overall, I don't know. Just, just this one just didn't feel like it hit the mark for me. It just was like, like you said, just not. not it just didn't work great for the anthology format. I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the. I mean, there's the the obvious setup with the with the holy water and things like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, <laughs> there's one of those things like it's just so obvious that like you know when he when he's like oh it's not he's like oh. Uh, no, this is holy water. He's like, no, it's not. It's tap water. But you know, something is probably going to develop from that. Yeah. <laughs> right that it's kind of a dead giveaway. Uh, yeah, I know. Definitely strong foreshadowing. Strong foreshadowing for sure. I think that there is. I think there is a decent story here. I, I just don't think. 
in a short format, it works too well. Yeah, I mean, I, th- that's essentially what I I come down to on this one. Like, it has a decent concept, but I I I just think the execution is okay. Yeah, Not but I mean, bad. some of, some of the effects though, you have to admit, are pretty damn cool. Yeah, and, and I can't help but remind myself of like. When I watch this one, I instantly think of Death Proof by Quentin Tarantino. I know Tarantino, you know, obviously based that thing off of, you know, 70s action films and exploitation and stuff. But it's funny how this one is kind of similar, you know, like the car in Death Proof is is black like this truck is. And, and you know, he's just beating the shit out of this little fucking car. And I, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting how it just, I don't know. Kind well, of Tarantino up, has but... seen a lot of movies. Well, I, I mean, I guarantee he's probably seen this one. You know, yeah. he's just like us. He's a he's a film geek. So, but yeah. And after so. that, you have Night of the Rat, the final segment. Yeah. Which uh, this one is kind of interesting. It follows uh, Claire, who can hear rats moving in her walls, uh, with her husband at late at night when they're trying to sleep. Uh, of course, her husband, you know, says just ignore it and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, even assures uh, Claire that he'll get some rat traps. And then they go up in the attic. They set some rat traps. Things start getting worse. Shelves start falling off. They call an exterminator. The exterminator discovers that there's huge holes behind uh, the walls and chewed power cables. And eventually tells them that, oh, I don't think this is an ordinary rat. And eventually they find out what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um everybody knows that <laughs> follows me that they know that I'm a big, you know, rat fan. I love rat, anything to do with rats, man, because they're fascinating creatures. Um, this one right here, I, I do like, you know, it's a simple, it's a basically a simple case of almost revenge. It's like, yeah, it's like, a, yeah, it's, it's like actually, a rat. It's, it's like a rat revenge film. Kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's kind of funny when you think about it because <laughs> it doesn't seem like that. until like the end, you've heard like, of rape revenge. Well, what do you hear of rat revenge? <laughs> exactly. Right. It's ex- essentially what it is. I mean, you don't really get to see the, the rat or the rat effects until later on in the, in the, in the short, but uh, it's just so funny how they did regular size rat kind of superimposed into the scenes. Uh, right, it's big cheesy and stuff. as fuck. It's just, it's so, it's early more cheesy than the video game segment. Yeah, it actually is, man. It's just so bad. <laughs> it's just like it's just layered on there. It's just like uh, oh my. It doesn't <laughs> even look close to being like where it is. <laughs> no, it's it's so bad. It's so bad. Uh, but I like the I, I like this I one. like this one in like a so like I like I'm like you. I kind of like I, I like killer animal films in general, but I do like killer rats as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so I have a th- I have a fond love for for rats and rat themed movies uh but i i don't know man like it, it's it's you can only like it so much right i mean it's it's still kind of lame looking and it's not really a super cool story it could have been cooler but it's all right it's all right i i can't say that i love it um there's a better rat segment in an anthology it's trilogy of terror 2 has a good rat segment in it yeah yeah um but this one it was just you know, much like I, I feel like the design of this anthology was kind of odd because you have these two ones that are pretty good, and then you have these uh, the final two that are like, ah. yeah, they're, they're like I mean they're you know above average or whatever, but not really the greatest. But yeah, you, you know you would think that it would probably end with a bang. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I was expecting. Oh, Night of the Rat. This one's gonna be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 arguably, it's like the tamest, like kind of lame one out of all of them. Nah, I, I guess not. I don't know. 
Well, it's funny. If you the consensus on this, if you talk to most people that have watched this anthology, they always say Night of the Rat is the weakest one. For I, I mean, that's what I get from people, anyways. But I don't know. So, how would you rank them? How would I rank these things? Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Well, I've always said that my favorite one is the Bishop of Battle. I don't know why. I, I seem to like to gravitate toward that one the most. Maybe it's because I'm a huge Emilio West of his fan, but I really do like the short. It's just it's very nostalgic for me. Uh, I grew up in that time period where I remember going to arcades and just being obsessed. Not that obsessed, <laughs> you know, uh, but... I think Bishop of Battle is probably my favorite one. Um, then I'm going to have to go with Terror of Topanga. Then I'm going to go with The Benediction and Night of the Rat. So, um, so me, I like the Battle of Bishop or the Bishop of Battle the best. Yeah. Uh, much like you, um, Emilio Estevez kind of stills the scenes. And uh, I just like the concept, very nostalgic, like you said. Uh, it's a time capsule. It's actually funny because like not much actually happens in it. Like the like the violence is not really there and stuff. Like it, it it's not. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's almost like the least horror of them all when you think about it. Well, the resolution in it is so it's so quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's so fast in what happens, but yeah. Yeah, and then my second favorite is Terror and Topanga, which really kind of makes me think about like oh is that that's my second favorite in here and it's it's very simple and fast and quick and it's just like it's good but i mean like it's i don't know and then yeah and then my i actually like night of the rat better than the benediction i, I really did besides lance hendrickson I, I didn't really love that one it was okay mm-hmm. um and night of the rat's just okay as well um overall like what do you like you want to go into ratings on this one yeah, see, I dig the effects in in uh, the Benediction a lot, man. Like when the when the truck comes out of the ground, and and also the other scene where he just fucking rams them too, man. I, I mean, at least there was like a little bit of, you know, budget involved there. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> you know, like there's certain things that I thought were really cool. I thought, re- honestly, like the truck coming on the ground, I thought it was like a really cool effect that they did. It actually looks pretty damn cool. I mean, it's definitely better than you know the effects in, in the uh, rat, <laughs> in the rat, and the Bishop of Battle technically. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. those are the type of you know technology effects you always got in those type of films. But but uh, you know, overall, I really I really dig this. You know, I think it's uh, I'm never really bored. You know, I, I've watched this. This is actually the second time this year I've watched this anthology for some odd reason. Um, it was obviously before I knew that we were going to be doing it on the on the podcast, but. Uh, mm. um, yeah, I mean, I've seen Nightmares before, and I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I don't know. I think I think it's a pretty solid one. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I think it's actually a pretty solid anthology. I don't think there's any, like, super, super weak, weak links. I think there's ones that are better than the others, but I think they're all above average to, to better. So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. All right, me personally, uh, I, I like this anthology. It's, uh, you know... Not my favorite, obviously, but but you know it could make a top fifteen ish, maybe top ten. I don't know. Uh, it, it, there's certain things I like about it. I, it might grow on me the more times I see this. Was the first time I seen it. Uh, I really, really, really did like the Milo Estevez Bishop of Battle segment, though. Like I actually had a blast watching that segment, and like it's like I would watch it a bunch more times. Um, not gonna come quite as high as moods on this one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit at a six point five out of ten, uh, just because I think I like the the. I think we came in the same on most of them, but I think I like the benediction a little less than him. Hmm. Cool, cool. So, what we do here is we move. Uh, to... Oh, by the way, moods. 
the commentary is lame. They don't even bother with it. Oh, the commentary? Yeah, there was a few cool, interesting things, but besides that, I mean, it's not the greatest. It's, uh, a, it's a weaker, boring commentary. Shit. Shit. Alrighty, so moving 10 years into the future and into the 90s in 1993, we have Body Bags. Yo. In which we have three shorts and a wraparound in this one. Uh, they are directed, two of them are directed by our boy John Carpenter, and the third short is directed by Toby Hooper. So you got a pretty which cool is lineup. weird, right considered this is always considered John Carpenter's movie. Yeah, maybe, well, we'll I mean, we'll get to the third segment here in, in a little bit, but I know it is weird. It <laughs> is weird, because I'm pretty sure John Carpenter probably obviously directed the morgue scenes too. There's never any credits on it, but I'm assuming yeah. that he directed those himself, considering he is the star of the morgue. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's she's he, so fucking bizarre. By the way, <laughs> I just I I love I absolutely love the morgue scenes. I think they're fantastic. I think John Carpenter does a great job in it, man. He's funny. He kind of adds this comedic element to you know <laughs> these stories that aren't really that comedic. So you know, a, a little bit of background on this movie actually. Um, they, I did listen to the commentary and watch the making of um, special feature on there. Uh, it, it's a movie that originally John didn't want to do. And it's because it was an anthology. He hates anthologies. Like he pretty much flat out said that he does not like them at all. He thinks they're <laughs> kind of dumb. Um, and uh, his, you know, uh, I don't know, partner at the time uh, – or was it his wife or something? She's she's like the producer. Forget her names. Do you know her name? Uh, Sandy King is that her name? I'm gonna think it's yeah. else. I don't. Was he married to her or was he just with her? I never I don't, know. I, <laughs> I never know. With that. I don't know if he was actually married to her. I don't think he was. Okay. Um. But anyway, she she was handling his uh, sort of um. The, the the scripts and shit that he would get. And normally, if they were something like an anthology, which most, which you know, John hated, they would go to her so that she she could kind of like convince him or something like that. And he was he was not going to do an anthology, but then when they said, "Well, it's a pilot to a TV show," he was interested because for some reason that's different <laughs> to him, <laughs> and um, he uh, agreed to it. But at the same time, like as it was happening. Uh, they just – what I liked about it is they say that they were just like, oh, we're just going to have fun with this. We're going to have like Wes Craven do a cameo and Sam Raimi and we're going to hire all these people, these crew, the same crew that we always have for all of our movies. And we're going to you know hire these people that we worked on with other movies with and, and all that was just going to be fun. And the problem come that came around was you know once the – tv show part would actually happen which by the way the way they talk about it seems like it it quickly became not a tv show uh because the way they talk about it was just it seemed like it in their mind it just it never really was going to materialize as a tv show after they started it but apparently one of the big things was if it were to become a tv show one john carpenter like i guess he never really thought like oh yeah i'm gonna have to be like an actor like on a bunch of episodes because i'm like the main character (laughs) Um, i'm the only reoccurring character you know so like i don't think he ever considered that when he was uh you know making it and he also said that um 
you know uh, the, 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 the the production would be way lower the value so they wouldn't be able to afford the Wes Cravens and the Sam Raimi's and the and the Robert Carradines and the Stacy Keaches and and all these cool people to come the in Mark to, Hamels. The, the, to have fun like they, they weren't going to be able to do it like the fun way they wanted to they were going to have to cast you know pretty much like no names and, and new people coming up like much like you would see on like um ne- freddy's nightmares or something like that so it, it quickly just became not anything and for some reason like he does not like anthologies so it's weird that he ended up directing it um yeah so that's kind of the backstory on the film cool man so <laughs> so basically you know body bag starts out with uh well, in the morgue, in the morgue, and it's John Carpenter, this really creepy kind of character. You don't <laughs> know who he uh, sort of bases his performance on. No, actually, who did he? Beetlejuice. Oh, Beetlejuice, nice. Actually, that makes a lot of fucking sense. <laughs> yeah, but he said he was trying not to be Beetlejuice, but no, no, he was no, he was good though. He was good. Yeah, so he's just this character, and he kind of. He's doing all these kind of quirky things inside the morgue and, you know, basically the last thing he kind of says or whatever kind of leads into like the shorts. And and then we got uh, the first short, which is called The Gas Station, uh, which ultimately is about this girl. It's her first night on this uh, on this 24 hour gas station job. And she's a student. In Haddonfield, Illinois. In Haddonfield. Very, very clever. Yeah. Um, and so she, you know, she, of course, takes this job. She gets the rundown from her employee or her uh, coworker, co-worker, whatever, her coworker. And uh, yeah, so he gives her the rundown. He leaves and uh, she... she's kind of in this booth. It's an interesting setup. Like the main gas station is like closed down, yeah. but they have a little booth that they still can like get sell like little stuff like cigarettes. And yeah, it's and it's gas. totally for that. I've seen that places like hours that. Yeah, it's like that 24-hour service, right? Instead of having the main thing open where they have the garage and things, they have this little booth, you know, yeah. that can turn on the pumps and, and you know, sell cigarettes and stuff. And that's what she does. And then you got a bunch of, uh, you know, weird people that come up and talk to her um, and things like that. And then and then shit goes haywire, you know, it's her first night on the job. And- it's more of your – and John Carpenter uh, kind of uh, – calls this one or dubs this one uh, the pop the pop culture horror segment like this is this is your everyday average like horror segment like very familiar and relatable to the average moviegoer knows what this looks like this is a slasher film sort of type thing and um yeah it it is it really is and the first time that i watched this one i thought it was quite intense like not knowing who or if there was a killer, who it was, or any of that stuff, you just start meeting all these people coming up to to the booth and stuff. And I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Like I, I remember the first time I watched it, it was probably about four or five years ago. Like it was yeah. intense and like and and yeah. I loved the uh, atmosphere, like the rain slicked roads and stuff. Oh man, really, really cool location I know the, for I know a the, little horror film. I know the, this short is fantastic, man. It not only has a really awesome atmosphere and it feels very isolated for some weird reason because it doesn't have any far out shots. You don't know exactly where this gas station is located. If it's like right in the middle of the city or if it's like out, but it feels isolated, which is very, very cool. Um, And then you got like this awesome atmosphere. Like it is, it's lit really well. And then it has all these really quirky characters in it. So it's kind of offsetting, you know, it's like, okay, this is very serious. These guys are kind of being a little goofy, a little hyper, things like that. I love that kind of mixed tones that is, that's going on in this. I think it's fantastic. 
Yeah, and Wes Craven, uh, his character is like that's the best acting Wes Craven's ever done. <laughs> and and that's what I'm saying, man. He the perfect example. Wes Craven's one of the first people, or he's the first customer to come up. He buys a pack of smokes or whatever, and and then he's just like really really creepy, and, and he doesn't really want to leave. Mm-hmm. And then he says something on the lines of, uh, you know, see you later or something. No, he goes, you know, if if you if you want to. If you want a drink or something, I've got a bottle of bourbon in the car. And, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? It's like so fucking creepy, man. It's yeah. totally awesome, man. Yeah. And then, of course, you got David Naughton. He shows up in this, too, and he's pretty, pretty interesting. But that whole scene is is quite interesting because, like, you know, as she's turning on the pumps, she's watching him because she's kind of scared. You know, it's her first sign in the job. She doesn't really know what to expect. There could be somebody out there or whatever. Well, anyways, he disappears in front of his car, and she's, you know, you can see the, you can see the intensity build up. You know, she's looking looking out there going where the fuck isn't any pops up and she's like oh and you feel that relief and <laughs> i think i think it works well you know for a short it works yeah fantastic. i mean when you know what who what like what the reveals are and stuff like it it's not i didn't get those like intense feelings but i remember them from the first time like I, I i remember it being like wow this is like pretty cool like I, it, like i don't know what's going on like i'm kind of a little on edge here Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one, if you watch it, like most people won't even catch it the first time they watch, but like, you know, there is a, you know, kind of a giveaway in this, or it's kind of like not really a giveaway, but it's, it's purposely put there. There's an employee of the month picture that she oh, knocks yeah, over yeah. and she puts it back it's up there and stuff. It's obvious. Yeah, it, it is totally. But I can but, see how some people wouldn't get it at first. Exactly. And uh, of course, that picture happens <laughs> to be Sam Raimi, which is pretty interesting. It's kind of cool. Yeah, there's but. a lot of cameos and stuff, but yeah, I, I really like the gas station segment. This one has nothing but cameos. I mean, Wes Craven, David Naughton, Sam Raimi, fucking pretty crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Peter Jason's in it too, man. He's the he's a really hyper guy that you know shows up in that fancy car and stuff, and he's used the bathroom. That's pretty cool. But uh, no, I I love this. I love this episode, man. And I like I love the way ep- that it ends too. The, like the way it goes down. Mm-hmm. It's pretty bloody and shit, man. It's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, the the only real complaints I have with this one, and it, they're, they're actually pretty significant in terms of just how frustrating it is. There's like one scene where it's like the girl uh, has to deal with the problem, and she thinks she deals with the problem, but anybody who's anybody knows that you don't turn your back to the problem for like an extended period of like ridiculous amount of time where you're just oh, yeah. looking off into the distance doing nothing. It literally is frustrating as hell to see that scene, but that's it. That's the only negative I have. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I mean, I have to give him credit, man. Lisa used real glass in the booth. Oh, dude, the sledgehammer shit. That is awesome, by the way. Like, I love because that. they used real glass. If you use breakaway glass, it would never go down like that. But they use real shit. And it took the guy like fucking 14 hits together. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. It, it, I love that. I love that they actually use real glass. So that's pretty cool. But I, I think this I think this short is just fantastic, man. I think yeah. it's great. I think it's really, really good stuff. So So then we go back to John Carpenter who's doing his little shtick thing, which honestly is pretty cool. Like the whole concept behind this is he works in a, he's in a morgue and all of the uh stories are from the body bags. Uh like he's like poking around and stuff and he's like, Oh, like did I'm bored, like this one sucks, like oh natural causes, natural causes, natural ca- all these damn natural causes. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, Where's the good stuff? The mar- oh, body bags. Uh usually it's pretty heinous stuff that comes through. They hate they, they, they these hair things. And then he gets the big old titties and stuff and he's like, Breast implants. <laughs> they designed <laughs> these before they came out with breast implants. I know. Um, he's trying to pull the body out of there and just yeah. like 
I love that man. My necrophile drawers is what he calls them. Yeah, he's funny, man. Like, I can't believe. Like, it seems so out of character from John Carpenter. That's I think that's what makes it work. I think, yeah, it makes it work so well. I mean, especially, you know, after, you know, the last scene or after the last short. (laughs) Just as the the way he turns. It's actually in the menu for body bags, too. You, You know, it's funny. He actually looks like. Like he honestly looks like him. Like he doesn't look like that much different than he actually looks. Which is so you're so saying that John Carpenter just looks. He just he looks, looks dead. Yeah, he looks dead. That is fuck. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. But yeah, so you get a little bit more cool. And I might add the music, the score in um, you know, in the like the the morgue segments and stuff is fucking awesome. It's kind of like an interpretation of like Hogan's like I'm American or something like that. I don't know what it is. It's kind of funny, man. But I love the music. It fits so well because it's kind of comical. And that's, again, with that that tone change, right? You know, you got these serious uh, shorts or whatever. And then you got this like really odd kind of tone change. I love that. I think that works so good. So after that, we go to Hair, which is the second segment. And it is... Also directed uh, by John Carpenter. Also directed by John Carpenter, correct. And this one follows Stacy Keach, who's like a middle-aged businessman who's like super self-conscious about his thinning hairline and his hair in general. Uh, he has a girlfriend who he uh, doesn't seem that like interested in the yeah, fact she's not, that he's she's not that his superficial. Hair. She's not that but superficial. He can't stand it. He's trying all this different stuff and he's tried this different creams and gels and paints and all this different stuff. Nothing's working. He sees this miracle hair transplant operation uh, on the TV and he decides to go head in and they're like, Yeah man, we can give you some hair. They show him like this long ass ridiculous hair. Um <laughs> and they're like, Yeah, he's like, That is me. So the next day, all of a sudden he takes off his bandage on his head and he has like a full fucking long ass set of like locks of hair. Um quickly things begin to go weird when his hair is growing like six inches a day and it's <laughs> in an hour to be weird and then he starts growing hair in places where he didn't want hair and um yeah it's dude this segment like i i know people i've heard people say it's lame and stuff like i love this segment um it actually like bugs me like the like like the hair in the throat like it like it makes like you gag a lot in movies like that makes me want to gag yeah i mean this one is not so much on the gag portion but it would suck it would suck i understand exactly what he's going through man i think stacy keach is fucking great in this too man. yeah yeah i think he's just awesome you you know he did say on the commentary that he this kind of helped him like kind of deal with the like his own like actual personal like uh self-consciousness about balding which is that's pretty interesting that's interesting yeah, this one right here, uh, again, you know, has a, a couple cameos in it. Dear, uh, Debbie Harry's in this one, which is kind of interesting. A little small role. She's in the she's in the doctor's office with um, David Warner, who plays Dr. Locke, who's the guy that's going to be doing the hair transplant. Um, do you know who Debbie Harry is? No, I don't. Who is she? She's a singer from Blondie. She was the lead singer of Blondie. Oh, she was cool, man. Yeah, so it was just kind of a random cameo that she had in there, but I thought that was pretty cool that she was in there. But of course, David Warner's fucking awesome. Oh, and Greg, Greg Nicotero is yeah. uh, plays a man with the beautiful hair. That's right. That's right. Yo, dude, <laughs> so awesome, man. It's so awesome. Yeah, this one right here. There's not really a whole lot to say about it, is there? Though, I, I find honestly, like, just... like I, I like certain things about it. Like for one, um, 
this stuff makes me cringe. Like, I don't like hair and stuff. Like, the, like when he's growing hair and, like, weird, like, on his, like, cheeks and stuff. And it's, like, real long. Oh, and it's, like, in his throat. And, his and like, hair's coming out of people's eyes and shit. Like, that actually yeah. bugs me. Like, it makes me cringe. Which is the very, very latter part of, the, part of this episode. Or this short, though, too. Because, I mean... You know, I mean, I shouldn't say there's a lot of buildup. It's a short, <laughs> but, you know, we get this only for about the last five, six minutes of the. Well, of- even when he's growing hair and he starts like coughing a lot and he's like, yeah, I don't know. Something feels like I just like in my head, I picture like his whole insides growing like like hairs like getting, oh, really? I didn't stuck really get in everything and like. Uh, it just it grosses me out, makes me cringe. Well, when he does say like that, when he is talking to his girlfriend, and he says, "Oh, I got a little, I got a little tickle in my throat." <laughs> Every time I watch this, it kind of it, it always, I don't know what it is, man. It, now it just reminds me of that. I always bring it up the episode of Kirby Enthusiasm, <laughs> where Larry David gets the pubic hair in his throat, <laughs> and he just can't stop fucking <laughs> doing that. Yeah, that's awful. I know it's just awful, but that it kind of made me laugh when I was watching it again yesterday, and I was like, oh, that's so Larry David. I got a little tickle in my throat. <laughs> now, John Carpenter in the commentary says that this episode was more of like the quirky um, sort of like anthology TV show, like Tales from the Crypt, like sort of silly in a way, but you know, still sort of like not. Um, type of episode and like I, if you haven't noticed these episode these segments were designed to be um, certain things yeah this this was sort of your uh, middle of the pack like like funny quirky kind of episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah makes perfect sense it does it really makes perfect sense I'm not I'm not a hundred percent I don't know with the uh, the hair kind of effects that are in this. I love it. Are you serious? I don't when know. When they I, turn into like worm, like little worm hairs, they, they just look so bad. No, they, they so look bad. great. No, they don't, man. They really don't. They look so bad. I've never liked it, man. I always thought it looked terrible. Oh, dude, I love it. I don't know, man. I don't. You maybe have like this, this certain nostalgia for nineties, you know, early early CG. I guess it's not CG. It's what, stop motion. Is that really stop motion? Yeah, it's it's like stop motion and um, you know, like filth. Like what do they call it? Like fil- like lay- they, they, layers and shit. Yeah, they, they did something to it because it almost looks like it's not like your typical stop motion. You know, like there's something more to it. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's almost overdeveloped or something, but it almost gets to the point where it's like. For me, just the regular stop motion would have been fine, but like, there's something about that effect that just—it's almost like they went too far with it. It just comes off a little cheesy to me, but I don't know. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world that I've seen. I've seen worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basket case. <laughs> there you go. But uh, I don't know, man. I I like this one. I think it's fun, man. I think it's fun. I I love the scene where Stacy Keach is, where he gets in his, he's getting in his vehicle, and you see all these people or running by with all their luscious hairs and shit like that. There's something about that scene. I'm just like, oh, uh, dude, there's nothing worse than seeing some random, like, you know, buff dude with his long ass hair running by. It's just like so gay. I don't know. <laughs> it so, really is. It's so gay. Uh, but, the, uh, the, the last segment that we got in modes is called I. And this one follows a baseball player who's I, I'm not familiar with baseball, but I believe he's in like the minors, right? He's in the minors. Yeah, he's on his way up and he's about to get called up, played by Mark Hamill. Yeah, and he, and it seems like he's been really close multiple times, like, yeah. and it's something always goes wrong. But he's actually uh, having like a really good season. He's like, yeah, really on the verge of getting called up. So, but yeah. he just seems like he doesn't want to bank on it. Like he's like, yeah, 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 you know, I've been let down too many times. Like I don't want to 
for sure say that it's going to happen. He was being even though everybody else thinks that it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and he gets in a serious car accident and his eye is gouged out. Um, and dude, that's going to fuck up your baseball career. I'd imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Without two eyes, man, it's pretty hard to hit a baseball, (laughs) you know, Um, so lose that hand eye coordination. Uh, he's unwilling to admit that his career is over. He jumps at a, to go in experimental surgery, uh, to replace his eye with one of a recently deceased person. Uh, but soon after the surgery, he begins to see things out of his new eye that others cannot see. He begins having nightmares of himself killing and having sex with women. Uh, Brent seeks out a doctor who operated on him. The doctor uh, eventually tells him what's up with the eye. And all this time, he's sort of having difficulties with his wife. Um, what do you th- th- So this one, the the backstory behind this one, like the, the tone... This one was supposed to be the hardcore, and th- they actually specifically went and got Toby Hooper because they felt he could deliver that, which I found was pretty interesting. I really think they failed hardcore on trying to be hardcore with this big time because really, I honestly think that you know I understand the premise, you know what the eye is, you know it's quite obvious what it's gonna what's gonna happen in this, but uh, I think that you know they overplayed the visions a little too much instead of actually maybe turning him into something that he isn't completely you know he starts to turn into something that he's not you know he starts getting rather aggressive with his wife you know you know everything from yelling at her to biting her and things like that being aggressive with sex and and random things like that but to be honest i think this one could have been a whole lot better if they just kind of showcased him going completely bananas and maybe actually doing some you know maybe some killing and you know doing things like that Instead of just See, showing the visions one, of things, I felt like it was. I think more the visions was too much, though. Like it was more down to earth, like not over the top. Like well, I feel re- like if he went like mad hat, like slasher, like it would have felt over the top. I don't think so because they really they're alluding to the point where he is going to go batshit crazy because he's seen all this crazy fucking violence and he's starting to get that way with his wife, but he never fully turns it. And for me, it seems like it's kind of a letdown because I I just feel like they're See, going down I this don't. pathway. I feel like they're going down this path. And they don't deliver it. That's I how liken I liken it to the Amityville every- horror, where it's you you're spending time with George Lutz, and he he has these outbursts, and it's it's more a psychological thing. And no, he never does kill his family, but that's okay because that doesn't need to be it every time. Okay. And uh, this one, like I felt the same way. I was like, oh, this guy's like he's obviously still there. And the, the way the eye works, it, it's not like he's a complete – like he still has most of his – he has his other eye and most of his body. It's just one little piece of evil that is in him that that if not dealt with can maybe start to overtake the other parts of his, uh, of his life and his soul yep. and his body and stuff. And I felt like this one actually played very nicely. I, I, I was happy with the way that it went. I was, I was kind of expecting that it was going to go to the over-the-top sort of like – like you know serial killer thing where he's unstoppable because of the eye and stuff and it, and it didn't it was a little more tame i don't know i man. thought that the nightmares of him having sex and killing women was like a look like you gotta remember this like it is like showtime or whatever but well he, he it, i mean that makes sense though i mean that makes perfect sense because it's like you know he's seeing what this person wants those are those are his fucking you know his visions and things like that you know it's like you know, it makes a lot of sense. I just, as much as I like, you know, the end scene with, you know, the scissors and things like that, I just, I just wish it hadn't gone that way. I, I, w- I wish it just had have been a little more darker and kind of taken him over. And I don't know. 
I this think one, that, but see, I think the darkness comes with the like the the crumbling relationship with his obvious wife that like loves him. They're having like a baby oh, yeah. and stuff, which yeah. I thought was like a you know it adds a little extra element to it but i thought the wife was played really good because you can tell that they had this peachy like so good relationship before this happened and, and now, that's why i wanted to see it go real bad i wanted to go see it does want- go it goes pretty bad for what considering what they were used to i mean well, of course of you know course. he uh you know the just the one scene where uh she you know asks him to hey you should maybe put that crib together and he's like i gotta work on the yard today and it's, she's like whoa like you don't have to yell like, you can tell that that's like she's never experienced that well exactly i mean and, and that totally does work and stuff but i just wanted to go one step further it's like hey your showcase you're kind of building up to something that you don't really deliver that's the thing i'm expecting it to go crazy because he is completely out of his element he's not acting himself at all because he's technically not himself right now at all and i just I just feel like it's 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 totally building up to something that doesn't deliver. This one has always fallen short for me, just because of that. So, oh man, I I like I I look at it like slightly different on that. Like I feel like it does deliver. I feel like I feel like that it's it delivers for what it's it, it's. I do, think the best part about this, the best part about this short, is Mark Hamill's performance. I think he's actually really fucking good in it. Yeah, I think that the relationship between him and his wife is good too. This one's more psychological. It don't need the over the the over the top like big extravagant serial killer scenes and stuff. It's it's psychological. It's about their relationship. It's about the torment that he's oh, no. dealing with and the evil that's kind of taken over him with this eye. And honestly, like I just like the eye effect. Like it's it it's ugly. It's it's like it reminds me of like the um like a goddamn Edgar Allan Poe story or I just, something. You know, as, as much as I like, like you know, the telltale like I said, heart. Yeah, with the with the scissors and stuff. I just wish it hadn't gone. You know, if I mean, if they're gonna, you know, do this, you know, this the way they went with it. I wish they hadn't. Of I don't want to give exactly the, like, the end anyway. But you know what I'm saying. I just wanted to go the opposite. You know, of what he did. Maybe her do that see that's what that's the way everybody would do it though and that's why i like it this way i felt like i felt like this one was doing everything that the opposite of what everybody else would do and that's why i was kind of liking it and also honestly dude like the necrophiliac stuff was like whoa like like necrophiliac stuff like this is kind of like crazy it's funny how you see that because i see it going you know right from the start i expected to go the way it did like you know because he has such love for his wife that he doesn't want you know anything he doesn't want her to be doing anything or anything like that it makes perfect sense of course yeah but that's the, the way story goes, arc you're telling though like that's like what are you like if you if you have the other person i know but I, like, I think it it's goes just, against the story you set up in the beginning i know but it just seems predictable if i mean if it's going to go down like that i mean it's it's all about his love and his passion for his wife and stuff yeah it makes not perfect hers sense. what's that not hers it's not it's not about her it's his arc okay i get it but i mean i just don't i i I, I just i don't know i just see it differently i just completely see it differently i i I mean i guess i can i I mean i could see how it's easily to you know look at it a different way or whatever um i just kind of i i just i honestly the first time i seen this segment i thought it was decent the second time I seen it, I liked it a lot. And then when I listened to the commentary and I heard him break it down, I was like, okay, I really like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, 
I honestly love this anthology, dude. Like, I, like I think this is a great, great anthology. There's not a, there's not a miss in here for me. Oh no, I don't think the eye is terrible or anything. I just, I think it's the weakest out of the three for sure. I figured with the baseball, you would like baseball connection. Yeah, just don't <laughs> let it influence me, man. You know, it's my favorite sport, but I mean, I'm just like whatever. But. Uh, no, I think Mark Hamill actually surprisingly does a good job in this. You know, when you see Mark Hamill's name lined up, you're like, eh, it's Mark Hamill. <laughs> see, I see. I feel like I never know what you guys mean, like, anytime you say that. Like, because I don't even know who Mark Hamill is. Fucking Star Wars, man. Original Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> uh, so. Luke. Okay. I, well, still, I don't know, like, a... Oh, like, actually, I don't know his, you, like... One thing that we, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Mark Hamill did Star Wars films, didn't really do a whole lot after. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. funny that he just he was like this mega star, and then he didn't really do anything after. He was always kind of labeled as you know, you know that that guy that really can't act kind of thing. But uh, but we did mention man, Roger Corman. Yeah, he plays the doctor. <laughs> so he, and he's good in it too, man. I like him. Yeah, yeah. I like him, man. He does a good job in this. So. But again, you know, just with familiar faces and things like that, I, I, I'm a big fan of cameos like that if they're not just like you know, kind of ridiculously used and stuff. I, I just like it. It's kind of yeah, subtle. He's just, he's just a doctor, you know. Stuff. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So. Um, but yeah, so uh, the the end of the film kind of uh follows uh John Carpenter's character, the morgue guy, as uh you kind of find out what really is going on with him, and it's a really cool scene. And you get another cameo from uh, Toby Hooper. And Damn! What are you Tom drinking Arnold. for? What have you been drinking for? Maldehyde? <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit, man. It's good. Actually, I like the way they set up the eye, though, too. Right? Pours that formaldehyde out, and fucking eye falls out into the cup, into so, his martini glass. <laughs> oddly enough, on this one, moods um, the Scream Factory Blu-ray does not have the reversible theatrical cover art on it. Yeah, I know. That's so strange. I, there was something to do with uh, the rights. Yeah, they couldn't actually get the the artist apparently owned the rights to the artwork or something and they couldn't Sometimes acquire it. Happens. It was weird. It was really strange. So, yeah, the, the commissioned artwork is the commissioned artwork. <laughs> uh, it's the same as the slipcover in, in inside. Um, I, you know, I, I did want to briefly talk about body bags. Did you notice the um, the audio hiss in this? No. When you're watching yeah, it? Yeah, I remember we talked about that when it first got released. Yeah, and it's still very, very prevalent to me, man. Uh, like I always say, like audio is one thing that I notice immensely when I watch films. Uh, and it's still there. It's not as as annoying as it first was for me because I remember how Body Bags was one of my most anticipated releases like ever. Yeah, you know, it just had a stupid artist yeah. release or whatever so i fucking i was very very like disappointed by it i was like oh my god the, the art you know but i mean it's still there and stuff and i understand why it's there it's just it's the tape hiss due to you know the elements and things like that i mean it happens but it's not as prevalent as you know it was for me before when the release first came out but uh it's definitely still noticeable like you know i i i, I it's really there in the first segment a little bit in the second one a little bit in the third one but more in the first one but uh um. Hmm. Otherwise, you know, it's uh, I, I probably should watch some. Honestly, of the, the the release is not that good in terms of like special features. It has that commentary and it has that thirty-five minute making of. It. And that's one of these things, that's man. It. You know, this is another collector's uh, edition. Collector's edition that really doesn't have 
many features. I mean, it, when you look at the back, you go, "Damn, there's a lot of features." But then you read it and you go, "There is actually no features on here." Yeah, they they. It, I, when I first read it, I was like, "Damn, they put three commentaries on here." No, it's it's three different com. Well, technically, there are three commentaries because they're it's different segment commentaries. Like the yeah. first one is John Carpenter and. Uh, the uh who was robert it? carradine Fucking robert carradine the second one is um stacy keach and john carpenter and the third one's actually justin beam and uh sandy king sandy king um which is actually kind of an interesting one because justin beam is re- i love anytime he's on one of those commentaries because he asks a lot of questions yeah, yeah. he's like a fan so That's yeah cool. i mean i i i really like this movie uh you want to how do you rate this? How would you rank the segments? I, I uh, gas station first. Hair exact, second, exactly in order. Exactly in order. It uh, it definitely degrades, you know, as it um, as it goes as it goes along. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe, it's a, like, maybe it was a good thing there wasn't four in this one. <laughs> I actually feel like I like all three of them exactly the same. No, I de- I definitely. I mean, I I love the first one. I really dig the second one. The third one I like. I just you know, there's certain things about it I I would have liked better. But for what it is, yeah. if that scene, that long stupid scene, wasn't in the gas station, it would easily be the best. But that's an awful scene. It it really almost breaks the movie. It's so stupid. It makes no sense why she would do that. Yeah. For that long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it. <laughs> I get it. But I think by far, I think, you know, it's the best it's, done. It definitely is the best one in there. I mean, yeah. Wait, you want to go into ratings? Yeah, sure. All right. So I love body bags. It's one of my favorite anthologies ever. Um, I give it an eight out of 10. Um, <laughs> weird. Uh, so I'm going to go with the exact same thing as eight out of 10. That's what I have written down and I'm going to stick to it. All right. It's an awesome anthology. Dude. It's kind like, of funny. I love Carpenter's wraparound. It's you know, you break what? it down. Like I, I really didn't care for you know the third one as much as you, but it's, we end up with the same rating. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works. <laughs> it, it is. I, I think it's because I, I love the first one. Like I think it's great. But honestly, I think one of the biggest selling points for body bags for me is having that uh, that bind. I always call these you know these wraparounds that aren't necessarily fully on wraparounds. You know. Uh, it's it's just it's it's just the glue that holds it together, and it's a big deal to me. It's a big deal. I think that little extra effort, especially into, if they're that good, because they're so rarely good. Yeah, and they're and there's the the morgue segments are so entertaining. Good yeah. music, uh, really and, good performance by John Carpenter, and of course, you know, in the end of uh, the uh, the very last scene when you know Carpenter, whatever, I don't want to give it away, but uh, you've got um, you know Tom Arnold and Toby Hooper come out. Yeah in it too so you got more cameos in there and it's just like it's just so fantastically and, and done i mean let me, the total playing time with it through the film has got to be what like eight or nine minutes maybe yeah. in all the in all the time you see the morgue segments and it's really good it's really good uh, and let me tell you something else about the the morgue scenes like i've heard people complain that they're oh it's it's too comedic the movie's like like too comedic and it's like okay I, it's i'm usually to be, with though. you on that it doesn't matter if it's supposed to be or not but it actually makes sense because 
yes, those scenes are comedic, but that is not the stories. The stories are all played serious, so you have this character who's making light of this shit that is actually serious. It's actually very morbid yes. and dark. Yes. People yeah. miss that concept when that, they talk that's about what, that. That's what I mean by it's supposed to be like that because it's that it's that tone shift that you know it's not. I mean, if you if you played that serious into it would kind of take away from the fun of the of the anthology. You know, it's it's, it's like, like a nice little breather from like is, oh now I just watched an intense gas station scene now I get to watch John Carpenter. Exactly. Yeah, you know what it does? Stuff. You know, it, maybe the scene leaves you kind of going oh, and then it jumps into this and it's got this kind of like really kind of catchy music and then you know these very comedic performance by uh, John Carpenter and it's it's meant to kind of lift your spirits and get you into the next short. You know, it's kind of reviving you. <laughs> you know. Among other other words right there, but uh, it, it's so weird because when I first seen this, like obviously the gas station was so good, um, but I, I think I just liked the hair segment better because I just thought it was weird. But and then I didn't like the eye, and like now it's it's like I don't know how I feel about him. Like it, I f- swear, like this is I can watch. I like all like I, I really could watch. Like I like this anthology enough. See, to this is I've why rewatches are must. This is why rewatches are a good thing. Yeah. Because you you learn things about you, not only yourself, also commentaries of, of shows and stuff too. You know, it, it, just the way you know you think about things differently. Yeah, because I'm way different than I was the first time I watched it. Exactly. But um, the commentary, I, I recommend the commentary. Just or actually, you don't even need to watch the commentary. You can watch the 35 minute making of because it's like it's it's like the kind of the same thing. They say the same shit in it. But yeah, that is uh, that is the show. Yeah. Alrighty. So that is going to conclude episode 81 here on the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. Yeah, I had a lot of fun tonight, man. Really, I did really too. We stuff. had a lot of crazy conversations. Some arguments, which, you know, it was unusual, but uh, it's always a good time. You know, yeah. I, 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 I embrace those. I embrace those. I still think I won the craft one. You might have won the body bags one. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the fucking craft and tremors, man. Well, we'll let the audience decide, man. If they are still listening, you know, drop your lines, man. Drop yeah. your lines. But, um, but yeah. So again, that's going to conclude us. Uh, thank you, everybody, once again. Like I always do, you know, we really, really appreciate the the uh, the call-ins and uh, the voicemails and the emails and of course we'll get to that email next week once we have a little more time to think about it and uh, yeah JP take us out of here alright man it is 3.01am on the 6th of May I hope all you guys had an awesome time listening to the show you can do a few things for us rate us on iTunes you'll be entered in any contest that we do in the future Make sure you subscribe to both me and Moods' YouTube channel, as well as anybody else's that's still linked down below for some reason. <laughs> uh, and, you know, check out horrorphilia.com, 22shotsofmoods, and horror.com. Been a little more active on there lately. 22 Shot- Shots Podcast on Twitter, which I'm a lot more active on there. Uh, voicemail 724 426 6665. And again, that is 724. 724- Four two six 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 five. Uh, we'll see you guys next week with cults, and it will be the believers from the eighties and believers from mid two thousands. Yeah, <laughs> those guessing. are not exact dates. <laughs> I'm just guessing. <laughs>
right. All right. See you, homies, then. Gmail, 22 shots at moods and horror. 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. Peace. Peace. Right, that is a wrap. I thought that was a pretty good show, dude.